Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. A programming reminder to any Big Brother fans coming at the beginning of August, well, technically late July, early August, we will be bringing back the Big Brother recap podcast as Big Brother 25 is set to begin right in the very first week of August. So stay tuned to blogtalkradio.com slash missyae for any updates on a possible cast assessment podcast that may be coming up. And if you haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE. You can also find us on any of the major podcast networks, such as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and so on and so forth. Basically, any we're pretty much available on essentially any major podcasting network. So... Let's get started. We have a lot to cover. We have an update on Damian Lillard to get to. Victor Wembanyama, is he a bust? And also, he was involved in some drama as well this week. We also have some more uh, free agent frenzy to cover and when it comes to the NBA and the NHL. Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian, are they an item all of a sudden? And also, we will talk about of Nathan's hot dog eating contest, is that technically considered a sport? We will no. get to – we're actually going to start off with that. Uh, Lou, welcome to the show. Let's – Thanks. I mean, let's let's get right right to the topic here. Do you consider the hot dog eating competition a sport? Hell no. This one is gluttony considered a sport. That's basically all it is. I mean, who in their right mind would want to watch something like that? It's completely re- re- repulsive. I mean, you know, seeing how much you can eat, how many hot dogs at any given time. Um, I mean, let's face it. When I hear that, I lose my appetite. No way is it considered a sport. And where I think it's a sport, uh, I think it needs a lot of help. So the answer to that question is no. <coughs> yeah, it, it, it's very hard to really consider it to be a sport, even though technically – ESPN covers it and everything. They made they make such a huge. Yeah, why would you, uh, let's put it this way: it hasn't been huge, or the, before the whole Kobayashi uh, Joey Chestnut rivalry. Yeah, the Nathan Top Dog Eating Contest didn't really get that much, you know, that much coverage. Good. Now all of a sudden, all of a sudden after that, and the huge ratings that it drew. And it draws huge ratings every single year on the 4th of July. Now, all of a sudden, they've decided, oh, we need to, we need to broadcast this every single year. And, it, you know, it's funny. They're treating Joey Chestnut like he's Tom Brady or like he's Bill Russell or anybody who has multiple championships in their respective sports. Yeah, but that requires it's, skill. This doesn't. 
Right. Uh, well, I mean, no, I, 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 I mean, we can we can hold off on on that right, uh, right, because okay, okay, technically. Technically, to down as many hot dogs as he do, as he does, of, of course, his high is I think like seventy seventy two or seventy three or something like that. In order to do that, you actually have to prepare months in advance, and, as competitive eaters do. They you know they have to compare or they have to prepare their bodies months in advance to be able to sustain uh you know the pace of eating like they do for a 10 for a a 10 minute time limit which is what they're given basically and joey chestnut won his 16th belt with 62 hot dogs and buns eaten over jeffrey osper who had 49 and james webb who had 47 and it's i mean it's unfathomable it's unfathomable to me the fact that yeah. somebody could eat 62 hot dogs in a 10 minute or i'm not we'll not even call it eat more like shove it down their throat shove it yeah and and i i do agree with you Lou, uh that i i do think it is disgusting you know the fact that you can actually on camera, they showed Joey Chestnut, you know, shoving down uh, these hot dogs and yeah. also the buns that they dip in water. And it's basically almost as if he's ch- he's chewing down on a on uh, on a ball that never decreases in size. That's literally what it looks like on yeah. camera. And, How do you about throwing up? That's all I want to know. Well, they throw it up later. They throw it up later on. Because uh, obvi- obviously, obviously, you know, no human body can take that amount of food in their stomach for that long. Maybe he's a human. Well, you know, some people have some people said that when he when he uh, downed his. Uh, his record high seventy three hot dogs. So, yeah, that one that one year. But I mean, I I guess I guess I just I just don't understand. I, I guess you know maybe because competitive. There are some people who are into competitive eating, and I guess that's yeah. kind of a thing. Um, but I mean, you just look at the. There's a huge. This discrepancy between the men and women. The men, yes. I mean, obviously, you know, men are much bigger. So technically, I guess that means that they can they can uh, that they can force themselves to eat a lot more. The women, I mean, yeah. uh, Miki Sudo won her ninth hot dog eating title uh, against Mayoi Ebihara and. The 2021 winner, Michelle Lesko. Now, Miki Sudo wasn't in the 2021 uh, competition because she was pregnant at the time uh, with, oh, uh, with her first, with, I, I believe, her first child. So, yes, but that. she downed she downed 39 and a half hot dogs and buns eaten to win her ninth title, and you can see the discrepancy. You can see. A twelve and a half 
wait. Make sure. I, no, 22 and a half hot dog differential between the between uh, Joey Chestnut and Mickey Sudo. So it's. I, I I still do agree with you, Lou. I think I think it's definitely disgusting. You know, I I, I can't really see why they would consider it to be a to be a sport, except for the fact that maybe because you're putting your body through such torture that yeah, I guess it's kind of a skill. It's kind. It's kind of showcasing a skill. The fact that you can actually eat that much in a certain time limit. Yeah. But I don't know. It's. I think you're not. It's still. It's still. It's still a very strange phenomenon. Need needless to say. No kidding. But uh, this year's uh, Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Competition was actually delayed due to weather conditions. Uh, it was delayed about 90 minutes. And believe it or not, that is actually – that does actually affect them because when these, uh, when these people train for this competition, they train to be, to be ready at a certain time in order, they, they train their bodies basically to be ready at a certain time. So, uh, a lot of people may not think that ninety minutes is a is a huge a huge thing, but it actually really is to, yeah. to these type of competitors uh, because it it basically what it did is it took it takes people out of their zone. So somebody like Joey Chestnut, you know, he could have. Some people may think he could have potentially done 70 hot dogs, maybe more, had there not been that delay. Oh, Lord. And the reason why the reason why I say that, because there was even one, there was one year where he still won the competition, but he ate significantly less hot dogs because he was dealing with a torn, uh, a torn ligament, I think it was. What and you know that actually, believe it or not, affected his ability to because of the fact that you know they have to be standing when they're when they're eating these hot dogs and everything. So that actually affected his ability. It's just the just the fact that these people are even doing it to begin with is it's it's okay. inhuman. Put it that way. Yes. Uh, I covered have it on my show this afternoon, actually. Why? Oh, know. okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm so, sorry I wasn't able to uh, I wasn't able to to call in earlier. I was I was pretty busy having to having to help somebody from uh, from work. Well, I had a good crowd, and I had even a uh, new caller today too. Well, new to the show, but not new to the sports world. Oh no. Oh, okay. Well, well, that's good. That's good yeah. at least. But uh, I yeah. will. I will be on next week, though. It's just uh, something came up yeah. very last minute that uh, they ended up. Uh, they ended up asking me to uh, asking me to come in today. So, and I thought right. I'd be able to make it out in time, but I wasn't able to. So, uh, well, our next average. 
our our next uh, our next little bit of news here. Uh, we do have the next UFC mega fight uh, officially oh, yeah. set to take place, November eleventh, Madison Square Garden. John Jones will take on the former, who a lot of people believe is the greatest heavyweight mixed martial artist of all time, Stipe Miocic against John Jones in John Jones's first title defense of his newly won heavyweight championship. And I got to tell you, Lou, uh, even though, you know, John Jones, we saw how, how at home he felt when he won the title didn't even seem like the move up to heavyweight was even much of a was even much of a challenge for him. No. And not. now he's set to fight at UFC two uh, UFC two ninety five in Madison Square Garden against who many believe to be the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time because Stipe Miocic, if anything, he's he's been the one heavyweight champion that has actually defended the, uh, the title the most amount of times. So, I mean, this will be I, – I, I can't really say that this will be a true test for John Jones, but at, as far as fighting at heavyweight, Stipe Miocic really will be a true test for him because yes. Miocic may be a heavyweight, but he actually moves like a light heavyweight. Uh, so, more on two. light heavyweight. Mm. Well, light heavyweight is at is at two oh five. You call it white light? I believe that's a mat. <laughs> yeah, light. Uh, the the light heavyweight division is is where people fight at two oh five. Anything above two oh five is considered heavyweight. So. With obviously, John, you know, John Jones fought at light heavyweight pretty much his entire career, except for yeah. the his heavyweight debut, which happened to be for the title against Cyril Gan, and I, he submitted Cyril Gan with ease, like literally two minutes and four seconds into the fight. But Miocic, though, I feel yeah. Miocic, he's a brawler basically. Put, just putting it I straight out it. there. Miocic is a brawler, defeated the likes of Alistair Overeem, Fabricio Verdum, who is very hard to knock out, and he ended up knocking him out with one punch. Uh, Andre Arlovsky, Francis Ngannou, who, by the way, is currently no longer in the UFC. He fights for the uh, Professional Fighters League right now. Uh, he's knocked out Junior uh, Dos Santos, Daniel Cormier, uh, you know, you name it. And this guy has knocked out a who's who of UFC heavyweights. And John Jones, you know, I I really don't want to go against John Jones, but even, even with Miocic fighting at even with Miocic fighting at the age of forty. He does have knockout power in his hands. He could potentially yeah. stop John Jones. Because there have been previous fighters 
who have been very hard to stun, and that was until they fought Stipe Miocic. After they fought Stipe Miocic, Miocic was able to st- was able to stun them with ease, mm. with the, with his style of with his style of fighting. So I'm very intrigued by this fight, uh, and there's no better place to put it than in Madison Square Garden, because I mean, you want to talk about you want. You want to talk about the uh, the mecca of all fight places. You know, there's no bigger Absolutely. arena than Madison Square Garden. Well, I know it. So, needless to say, that should be a very interesting fight to look forward to here moving forward. Yeah. Now, now the next piece of uh, of news on the agenda here. Has Tom Brady moved on from from Giselle Bunchen, Dashian? Okay, what's wrong with this guy? You want to actually give her for that beast? Ugh. Apparently, the two were seen together at Michael Rubin's party out in the Hamptons, and there there have been. There have been some sort of reports about them flirting with each other. Mm. Now, obviously, Brady has been very on record to say that that the two of them are just friends. Yeah. Uh, you know the, that the two of them are ju- are just friends and have a lot of respect for each other. Uh, Kim is, is is too focused on her kids and her businesses and not looking to be in a relationship. But at the same time, you know, apparently uh, people were saying that they are insiders to the Daily Mail and also, uh, well, there's been conflicting reports, actually. An insider to the Daily Mail had said that the pair were flirting with each other at the event. And... Mm -hmm in particular, saying that Kim and Tom were super flirty with each other at Ruben's party and were seen during the day on the beach together and again dancing at night. But a different source told People Magazine that Kardashian and Brady barely even spoke at the party and barely even said hello. A second source then claimed that they said hi briefly when she arrived at the party. Yet a third insider claimed that they are friends and have a lot of respect for each other, but Kim is very focused on her kids' businesses and not in a relationship. Right. However, uh, one, of the source, one of the sources did say that Kardashian did drink a few shots, which she then admitted herself on Twitter. As a matter of fact, she claims that she drank like eleven shots or something. Okay. Uh, according to according to according to one of her replies, the source claimed that later in the evening, Kim had some liquid courage and was overheard telling friends that she has a crush on Brady. Now, yet this is basically a source off, basically between 
People Magazine and Daily Mail. But yet there's another source that claims that uh, they are actually backing up the idea that that the two are just friends, saying, I don't know why there are all these rumors about Brady and Kardashian. They barely interacted at all. He actually spent the evening with Emily Ratajkowski. Uh, They were together most of the night and looked very cozy. They didn't leave together, but if anyone was getting close, it was the two of them. Yes. And so it, it's it's weird. It's, it's a whole a whole bunch of shits basically being tossed. It, it almost seems Lou like like shit is being tossed up against the wall and looking mm-hmm. to see if it sticks. Yeah. When it comes to this party, I mean. Everybody has seen what happens when Kim Kardashian gets into a relationship with with athletes. Yes. It all goes down. You know, yeah, everything based it's it's they call it the Kardashian curse. Yes. So I mean, are you really buying into this story at all, Lou? No, that uh the two all. of them might be considered an item? Nope. I, think I mean, I find things. it real. Yeah, it, it, it could, exactly. It could be just for publicity. Uh, but, it just, you know, it just seems... I mean, there were a lot of celebrities there. We're talking, you know, a lot of celebrities. Uh, J-Lo and Ben Affleck, Jay-Z, uh, Travis Scott, Bieber and his wife, Kendall Jenner, yeah. Kelly Rowland. Uh, Jack Harlow, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who were at that party. So, you know, there could have been, he could have been flirting with a whole bunch of people at that party for all we know. So I don't know why they're, you know, why they're really putting any, any stock into this whole, uh, into this whole thing. Alex, let's get your thoughts on this. Uh, Alex uh, yeah. is, uh, is on the call now. Uh, we've been talking hey, about you we've been talking about this rumor going around that Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian are apparently an item. Wow. Yeah, I guess the curse has spread throughout the uh, South Florida area now. Yep. I think that's where Tom rests his head on the pillow these days. Whatever uh, mansion he's in. Yeah, I guess uh, Kardashian has found her way into uh, Tom's DNA. So. The, the Kardashian curse is real. I mean, seriously, guys, all the beautiful women, uh, she's plastic. Some say she's, she's attractive. But, I mean, either way, out of every girl in the world, Tom Brady is atop the list as far as very marketable. He does very well whenever he wants it with women. Does he have to really try to take this girl out on a date? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I mean, there were there were a whole bunch of different celebrities there, you know, not just uh, yes. not just Brady and uh, and Kardashian. Uh, there's actually there's been a little bit of a source off between two different uh, media outlets on this Alex, where yeah, uh, one source was saying they're just friends. Another source said that they barely that they barely even talked with each other. 
Um, right. As a matter of fact, one of those one of those same sources said if anybody was getting close with Brady, it was Emily Ratish, uh, Ratajkowski. If I said oh, okay, right. Ratajkowski. Yeah. So yeah. he doesn't have to uh, sign. He's not on uh, you know on Plenty of Fish or on uh, Match these days. Tom Tom can do quite well. He's also mm-hmm. let's let's be real. We're all we're we're all sports fans. We all, we know Smart and savvy and good character guys. I mean, Tom Brady is not someone who usually falls for ridiculous stuff. I, I, I would hope he would be above this. I would think based on his track record, being a pretty stand-up guy and an awesome person overall from all indications. I, he doesn't fit the type, but hey, I mean, buyer beware. If he gets into that that tangled web, who knows how, how it'll end up. I would not advise him to uh, talk to Kim Kardashian more than saying hello and uh, please stay away from me. Yeah. Exactly. It just, if anything, because of the huge media presence that she has, not just yeah, in, sure. uh, on social media, but in Hollywood, it would seem like, to make it I like mean, obviously, be, maybe, would, maybe they're trying to make it, maybe make it into something that's not. They're trying to blow it up. Obviously, any press is good press for Kim. And let's be honest, they're, uh, they're total, you know, they rhyme with boars, starting with a, you know, H.O. I mean, they they sell themselves to the media constantly, so this could be a total marketing ploy on be like you said on behalf of her her marketing camp. Because this press to be a link to Brady makes her mega massive brand even bigger. So yeah, I mean smart marketing, I guess. I just hope there's nothing to it for Tom Brady's uh, sanity and well being. You know that's I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. It could be potentially just a whole marketing ploy. Uh, it might as be, a way for her to, yeah, as a way I mean, for her to about, try and boost her, uh, her to yeah, try and boost absolutely. her profile. It's been a while. She's been uh, kind of yeah. off the the gossip news or out of, off the front page, if you will, for a while. I mean, and just I mean, just look at her her mom. I mean, basically just you know pimping. I can say that at least. Basically, just like selling her her daughters off. Like, oh, they're going to be at this restaurant in an hour. I'll give you the address. Wire me a hundred grand, and I'll give you the address where they're going to be. So it's like she's basically been marketing her kids sadly for years. So I mean, Kim and all these daughters, right. they they learn from they learn from her for better or for worse. So maybe Kim's a really nice person. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, I mean, that family's trouble to me. And from Devin Booker well, to Ben Simmons to many others, I mean, as far as careers on and off the field, it's a car trashing curse. So I would say far away. Car-trashing. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, I mean, I mean every, everybody, everybody, would, everybody would be every single person would be uh, would be wise to steer clear of <laughs> of anything that you know of being involved whatsoever with the Kardashian with the Kardashian and name. Guy, and dude, I mean, just not to keep you know kissing up to Brady, but let's be real. I mean, this guy could literally talk to any woman in the world. I mean, come on, he, he, I would hope he would not be fall victim to something like this. I mean, come on. There's a lot of beautiful women out there. He doesn't have to have one with this much uh, drama in the background. I mean, mean, Brady has to pick it a litter in so many words. I mean, I'm just going to say what the reality is. So I don't know why he has to worry about looking at this person. That's true. Uh, Now we go from one piece of drama to another piece of drama. Uh, Oh, yeah. Victor Wembanyama. Yep, <laughs> having 
having literally just touched down on the NBA landscape, not even a month after being drafted, has already found himself on the front page of the tabloids. And in particular, in particular, it involves none other than Britney Spears. It was very toxic. And (laughs) my understanding, my understanding of this whole situation is that Britney Spears apparently tried to get tried to go up to Victor and get his attention by lightly touching his shoulder. She then apparently she then apparently got slapped by his security guard, (laughs) sending her straight to the floor. And now that that of course that part that part though has been kind of debated back and forth whether or not she got sent to the floor or not or uh, yeah. if she was still standing because the video the video shows something completely different but uh, yeah, I've heard Brittany, different but Brittany uh, apparently according to the video Brittany reached up and tapped Victor on his left shoulder now this is important because Victor had described Brittany as quote-unquote grabbing him which yeah. the video does not support that claim. And you then see Victor's security slap her hand and either his hand struck her face or he made contact with her hand and the force of impact caused her hand to hit her own face. Either way, wow. you hear the slap. And as the police said, it doesn't appear that he struck her intentionally. It was more of him, it was more of the security guard swatting her hand away. Uh, Brittany's glasses yep. ended up flying off, but she didn't fall as she had originally indicated. Uh, and according to the police report, uh, according to the police report obtained by TMZ Sports, two members of Britney Spears' security team told cops that Victor Wembanyama's guard did not appear to strike the singer in the face with a closed fist. Instead, both members said the man simply seemed to push Spears' hand off of the basketball player. In fact, according to the report, both of her guards said this is a standard response for most security or bodyguards. Before one added, it would not be uncommon for them to respond this way. Uh, Cops then said in the report surveillance video, or said in the report that surveillance video showed that after Spears touched Wembenyama, the Spurs player's security guard pushes her hand off of the player without looking, which then caused Brittany's hand to hit herself in the face. So due to the fact that uh, the guard did not willfully or unlawfully use any force or violence upon Brittany, and probable cause did not exist, an arrest was not made, and a citation was not given. So there will be no charges filed in this yeah. whole entire case uh, involving Brittany Spears and Victor Wembanyama. So, I mean, yeah. let's, uh, we're going we're gonna to do this in two different parts. Uh, obviously, okay. first part we're gonna we're gonna discuss the case. The second part we're gonna then discuss uh, Wambanyama and whether or not he's a bust. Uh, so I want to go to you first here, Lou. 
Victor Wembanyama, this whole entire story, to me, I don't know if you agree, but to me, it kind of seems like Brittany's or Brittany kind of over-exaggerated a little bit in saying that that she oh, well, got struck. Come on. That she, the drama saying thing. that she got struck when yet when yet it was the force of her own hand or of the security guards swiping her hand that then caused yeah. her own hand to to fly back and hit her in the face. So she hit herself oh. one more time. That's the, that's the case right there. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah. you know what? That's actually very good. That's actually very good. I was wondering if you were gonna if you were gonna come out with that one. Come on, um, you know, come on! I've on this show five years. You should know it by now. Six years. You should know it by now. I had that one at the ready. Yeah. Like, Please, you beat. I had that queued up. But what what are your thoughts, Lou, on this uh, on this whole entire debacle? Well, I know she's nuts to begin with. I mean, but this is this is even even nuttier for her. I mean, the whole thing yeah. sounds like it was all staged anyway. I mean, we're talking Britney Spears here. The whole the, the whole, yeah. whole thing the whole thing sounds just completely ridiculous. Yeah, we are we are talking said, Britney Spears, and we're also we're also talking about herself. a yeah. And we're we're also talking about a first time NBA player who is who who's being hailed by everybody as the the next greatest uh, you know the next Michael Jordan the next LeBron James uh, they got to pump the brakes. Let's not get carried away yeah. here. Sorry, Lou. He didn't have the spectacular beginning that everybody was thinking about. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, only nine points. But you know what? When you think about it, it wasn't really that bad because he also had the assists, the rebounds, and the steals that went with it. So, okay, not an earth-sharing game. But nevertheless, for a player who's playing his first so-called NBA game, I thought it actually had decent performance. You know, I think sometimes we just, you know, overhype these players and thinking that they're, you know, better than they really are. Would I call him a bust? No, no, not yet. I mean, given it was only his first game, I think he held up pretty well and held up to it. So, while not probably going to be, uh, you know, the next greatest thing to fight spread, I wouldn't say he's a bust either. I mean, I don't think he's going to be as bad as Ben Simmons. So, again, nobody be as bad as Ben Simmons. But, you know, so I think we should cut some slack a bit. Right. Uh, you know, I – I kind of agree. I kind of agree with that. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to say, you know, for, first off, we'll put it this way. He's not the, you know, he, he's not the, uh, the next Michael Jordan. He's not no, the next no. LeBron James. Or the Greek freak. If he, or, or maybe it's because of the fact that he has to get used to playing the NBA yes. style of, of playing, but to be all to be perfectly honest, I was not re- I was not that impressed last night watching him play. Yeah. You know, he not only did he find himself at the opposing yeah. end of a poster, but it it sort of felt like he seemed. It, he seemed uneasy 
like yeah, yeah, like he was nervous or something out there. But I mean, you know, nine points, eight rebounds, is, uh, especially for a big man. Nine points, eight rebounds. He also had five blocks too. That's another thing. He had five blocks. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, that he seemingly did with ease. His shooting definitely yeah. requires some work. But all in all, I mean, obviously we need to see what else he can do. You know, uh, considering this was only the first game of the of the summer league, we need to yeah. see what else he can do. And before, you know, we're not going to label him an Anthony Bennett just yet. You know, uh, to be drafted first overall and then be washed out of the league. We're not going to label him as Anthony Bennett just yet. No. Uh, we need to see where he goes from this. And let's let's put it this way. He's already guaranteed a roster spot, so it's not like he's, pro- he's probably not going to be playing as hard as he can in this summer. Right. If anything, this is probably just to wash off any of the rust so that he can get ready for the start of the NBA season. Now, obviously, once the NBA season starts – then is where we can, you know, when we can actually uh, diagnose the type of player that he is. Yeah, you can't diagnose him in the summer league. But let's go, let's go to you, Alex. Uh, first off, the whole Britney Spears drama, what do you think of that? And then yeah, that was, uh, would, we consider, would we consider Victor Wambanyama to be on his way to being a bust? Yeah, I mean, in the first the first vein, I mean, Brittany kind of had to echo what I said earlier about uh, any media attention, any press is good press. I mean, Brittany's kind of been out of the spotlight for a while, so hey, now she's back in it. Uh, I don't think she had a crush on uh, Wambiana or had a Spurs poster, so like, I don't know why she suddenly was head over heels trying to meet him. So, and she has quite the past with acting pretty funky and pretty weird in public and doing something else. So like. You know, she has a past as far as some, some weird incidents. This guy seems like a quiet, straight-edge young kid. So, yeah, that, there's nothing to it. I, there's no way their security – I mean, he just came to America. All eyes are on him. There's no way his security would suddenly do anything damaging to a woman or to, a, you know, to someone trying to get an autograph. So, I mean, that story was, right. that story was ridiculous. There was nothing to that. Uh, when they finally – when all the drama set sail and he finally could focus on the court, I mean – yeah, he's really thin and really young. Uh, like you said before, it's kind of a rude awakening. He's, he's brand new to the American game. A lot of people obviously are bigger and stronger and faster. He's going to have a target on his back every single time he suits up and takes yeah. the court. People are, people are going to want to kick his ass. And, and, you know, especially some of these guys are playing for a roster spot. They don't want to go back to pumping gas and selling insurance. These guys could be an insurance agent. Some, some random, you know, journeyman that he's playing in summer league. People might not, Those guys are going 120%. So they're all going to be trying to get the better of him and grab a rebound and knock him down and make a name for themselves. So he's kind of public enemy number one. He's a target. Overall, mm. really talented. His defense, I mean, obviously he's already good defensively with his, his quickness and his size. He's a good defender. He's just kind of like out of sorts, like almost outwitted for now. He's, he's really young. I mean, nothing, he looks like kind though. of a deer, I mean, a deer in headlights. Too, you, know, you don't yeah, hear very often offensively. Yeah, defensively, he's already set. He can kind of play on his instincts, but I think offensively, he's got a ways to go. He kind of looks like a deer in headlights a little right. bit, sometimes a little bit scared. 
And uh, those aren't the, that's like LeBron, Jordan, Kobe. Those guys have no fear. So no, he's not in that category. But yeah, there's no way you can judge him off one summer league game. But I mean, overall, it was like a C plus. He didn't he didn't blow me away. He's got he's got to get a lot bigger and he's got to look a lot tougher. Got to get bigger and tougher. That's my uh, assessment. Right. And you know, not taller to keep bigger, bigger, bigger. You know, lifting wise, obviously not tall wise, not height, but. He's got to get in the weight room. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another thing to keep in mind, too, is you take a look at somebody like uh, like Giannis. You know, Giannis didn't didn't take the uh, – now, granted, he was, you know, he was a second-round pick, I believe, uh, when he got drafted. And, you know, he he didn't take the, uh, the league by storm immediately right off the bat. And – no, I guess, I guess. Granted, there's more pressure on Wembanyama because, or actually, no. Uh, Antenna Kumpo was taken with the 15th overall pick in 2013, yeah. so he was a first round pick. He was a mid, uh, like not uh, type, end of the lottery type pick. Not nearly um, a type. He was kind of a wild card. Look at it where he picked. Just to give you, sorry, Steve, but just to build on your point. I mean, yeah, that's the difference, though. You know what I mean? There wasn't every 14 uh, year old you know, in Queens or kids out in L.A. or every sports uh, scout or agent in the world. I mean, this guy has, like, the LeBron hype. Michael Jordan wasn't even this hyped coming in because people didn't know how good Michael Jordan was until he was, what, like 23 or 24? I mean, this is the biggest hype yeah. since LeBron. So, I mean, Giannis, a lot of people, people didn't know what he was going to be. There was, no, there was no guarantee that Giannis was even going to be, like, a starter. He was really a project. This, I mean... I, I just think the hype is so it's, – it's too much. It could overwhelm this kid. That's possible. Well, I could see that. Because, you know, the one, the one thing I, I did notice, though, is that he claims that, you know, he just wants to take things one, one step at a time. You know, he's not, he's not out there saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, uh, the San Antonio Spurs are – you know, infinitely better with me under, uh, you know, under under center or whatnot. He's not – he doesn't seem like a kid who has, like, a gigantic head, you know, and talking about how he's going to take over the NBA. Uh, you know, I definitely did like certain pieces of his game. Uh, obviously, there is still a lot to be worked on. And that will come with time with uh, with Tim Duncan uh, helping him out because T- Tim Duncan they they in particular the San Antonio Spurs have asked Duncan to really take this kid under his wing and great kid. yeah great and start move. to uh, start to help him acclimate to the NBA uh, to the NBA style yeah. of playing so. I do think that there's uh, – we, we need to obviously see more out of this kid before we actually judge him. Yeah. Because, I and mean, yeah, there, you know, there may be – because of the fact that he's being highly touted as uh, – this is basically – let's put it this way. He's being touted if we're if we're talking in hockey terms. He's basically the Connor Bedard of this draft. Absolutely, you know yeah. he's the consensus, the consensus okay. number one yeah. overall pick. Like, there's no question. 
you know, Wembanyama. There's no way Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller were going number one. It no. was always going to yeah. be Wembanyama. Uh, yeah. So, now, you know, there's – I feel that there could be a lot of pressure under oh, Wembanyama this year. Even though he's playing for a team that absolutely sucks, there's going to be – all in my that. opinion, an unfair amount of pressure. Hundred percent. Now, with social media, Steve and Lou, I mean, guys in the audience, I mean, think about this. Though, I mean, since LeBron, yeah. no one else even close besides this guy and LeBron as far as basketball, because the media wasn't That's as true. big before. Everyone wasn't on TikTok and Twitter. I mean, the scouts and the media now, and the coverage of the NBA worldwide. I mean, there's got to be right. almost twice as many people as you know, almost. Definitely more than LeBron. I mean, th- this guy was being hyped up. I I, I heard about yeah. him maybe two years ago, and now it's just, I mean, every ESPN, NBA TV, they're probably leading and probably featuring and focusing on this guy. <laughs> Whenever you turn on the TV, oh, yeah, it's yeah. like, and this guy is from France, really like soft spoken. He's not like I'm going to come in and, and crush people. He doesn't have that Kobe like I'm going to come in and dominate like that cold hearted assassin. He's just like a nice right. kind of innocent, goofy, goofy kid. Like, I think that could help him in the long run when he's confident and smooth and nothing's going to really get to him. But I don't know if he has a killer instinct. I could be totally wrong, but it's almost like he's such a nice guy and the the media attention is so overwhelming. It could be a dangerous mix, I think. I mean, this guy is just – talk about pressure. Everything he does, every move he makes. Yeah. Lou, what do you think about that, Lou? With the the media, uh, the media could be a potentially very dangerous uh, variable when it comes to uh, oh, Victor Wembanyama. Oh, absolutely! And for anybody, for that matter, I mean, even the number two draft pick. I mean, it's a lot they have to live up to. And the media, yeah. you know, if they if they don't go to the hype, they're going to hound on them anyway. So the media could pose, you know, some a very da- um, you know a very dangerous uh, scenario here which doesn't surprise me at all because that's what the media is known for. You know, if they do well, they're going to praise him. If he does harm because of bust, they're going to let him have it. So, uh, but, yeah. you know, that's the that's price you take when you become a, when you become uh, something like this and become uh, all hyped up and, you know, hoping to live up to the promise. If you don't, you're going to hear about it for the rest of your career, sort of as it may be. So, uh, and it's the media, like, you know, yeah. Sorry, media could be a dangerous place. Yeah. Yep. He's just such a nice guy, too. So it's kind of weird to me. Again, he just doesn't have that killer instinct. He's almost just, like, so grateful to be yeah. there. I want, I, want, I want him to do well. He just, I don't know if he has a killer instinct that he's going to need because yeah, uh, a lot of people chance, are going to be. Though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dog. No, he's I'm going to be fascinated. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's not cocky. Like, I, I got no reason to root against him. No. Which, I wish the Blazers, yeah. uh, the Knicks would have been fun. I mean. Did the Spurs or the Celtics, obviously, uh, there's other teams that would have rather him go to because out west, I mean, does San Antonio need, like, a third, a third franchise center now? David Robinson, Tim Duncan, I mean, share the wealth. Let someone else get this guy. But, I mean, I'm going to root for him individually. I don't want the, the Spurs right, to have, you know, five championships. Same here. I hope they don't have any championships. We have other teams that we like back east. But uh, I don't wish the kid any injury or ill will. I think he'll be an all-star. No. I just – I just – I'm not looking at this guy going, oh, holy shnikes, this guy's the next Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> Unless no, it's no. definite improvement. I'm sorry, and he's not a LeBron. <laughs> I don't know if this guy's going to score 30 points tonight and 
and dominate and be like a total dominant player. He might just be like a very good starting center, like 15, 10. And I don't know if this guy's going to score 30 points and have, you know, nights where he gets 28 rebounds like a Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, that's the way a lot of people are hyping him up. It's just like the expectations are through the roof. I don't see that. Now, another thing that, another thing that makes me wonder, though, is that let's keep in mind the – Summer league is kind of like the G League, where you're gonna you're gonna, you're yeah. having people you're having people that are trying to fight for their spot on a roster, Fringe and yep. that so that may necessarily that may not necessarily mean that the Spurs are gonna build their game plan around him in the summer league. So obviously, when it you know when it comes to the regular season, you know obviously they'll have a game plan set where it'll be built around Wembanyama, just like how the Bucks game plan is set to be built around utilizing Giannis Antetokounmpo. So yeah. what I'm wondering is now obviously uh, we'll just we'll just draw a comparison here. Brandon Miller, he had a horrible first game in the summer league only had like four or six points yeah. or something. Last night he had 16 points against San Antonio. Yeah, you really can't so maybe this was yeah. just Maybe this was just Victor Wembanyama shaking off the rust or shaking off the nerves. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's possible we could see, we could see a, better, a better second game from Victor Wembanyama. Uh, and, you know, another, another thing too, like I said, that maybe perhaps – San Antonio may not necessarily be building their game plan, their current game plan around him, because I don't think you have other so you have other players you have other players yeah. who are trying to secure their spot potentially on the Spurs roster. Yeah, you're right. It's so, a different context. It's a different setting as far as strategy. I would think because you want to basically just let the cream rise to the top. I mean, some of the summer league guys you know, some undrafted guy or some guy from Italy who's 29 years old might score, you know, do really well for a week or two and become yeah. a really good rotation or even a starting player. We've seen it before with summer league guys. So, yeah, these people are literally fighting for their uh, NBA careers. They're looking to, to get on a roster somewhere. And a lot of these guys get signed to someone else. You know what I mean? Because right. all these scouts and coaches are watching. So someone in, you know, someone with Brooklyn might say, wow, that guy on the Kings last night was awesome. That guy on the Kings gets cut. He becomes yeah. a Brooklyn Net, you know, next week. So these guys are playing for the whole for 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 rosters everywhere. They're trying to show their stuff. Right. So and, yeah, I, and, I and, another... and Victor's and Victor just showed up. They're, so yeah, Steve. Sorry, I agree with you though. Like they're not they're not building an offense right around around Victor in, in summer league. They're just letting him get his feet wet and get acclimated and warmed up. Right. Sure. And another example, I'll give you a perfect example of of, of my point that I was making last season uh, during the summer league. The Celtics had a player called Mifiandu Tabangeli, who oh, yeah, yeah, was yeah. looking to try looking to try and get a roster spot. He ended up securing himself one of the two way deals on the Boston Celtics because of a strong summer league performance that he had that he put on the whole summer league. He ended up uh, I, I forget what he averaged. I think it was around somewhere around like. Yeah like 18 points per game or something in the summer league. Uh-huh. And ultimately, ultimately he ended up making the roster. You know, it's kind of, kind of similar. We saw something kind of similar in today's Boston game against the Miami Heat, 
where uh, one of the one of the uh, former players of I want to say it was Orlando, maybe I could be off, uh, but but scrub. Um, wait a minute, scrub. Let me see. I think Jay, yeah, Jay Scrub, who last played for the Orlando Magic this past season. Uh, yep. He ended up putting up a, I think it was an 18-point performance today, or 17-point performance today, uh, only second behind the Celtics' second-rounder, Jared uh, or Jordan Walsh, who put up an 18-point performance leading the team. So you're yeah. going to have, on the, on the Celtics, with, with only limited roster spots available, you're going you're gonna to be seeing competition like Jordan Walsh, who even though technically he, he does have a contract, so, I mean, he signed a four-year deal, his rookie deal, so he probably has a spot uh, locked up, but it still is a good way yeah, to get himself. It is a good way to get himself acclimated to the NBA style of playing. Because, uh, I mean, just, just to give an example, Jordan Walsh out of Arkansas, his career high at Arkansas for only one season was 18 points. So he tied that in up. literally this one game. One but season, and look at, the, look at the system. He had Anthony Black. He had a Nick Smith. He had, a, uh, he had several guys that were really good at Arkansas. He played one year there. So he might be scratching the surface. Yeah. He, might, he might average 19 in the pros. So, yeah, he wanted to show that, he, hey, but, I can score right away. Yeah, but he averaged, he averaged only seven points off of the bench for Arkansas yeah. this past year. They so, had other weapons. You know, it just it just goes to show you that the summer league yeah. isn't isn't necessarily built like I could tell based based off of watching the Celtics play today, there was no real game plan. It was guys no. trying to get trying to get play. their shots off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which can make it so, which can really make it cheesy when the guys are like six for uh, nineteen. Some of these gunners too have been in like three or four summer leagues, and they wonder why they keep coming back and they don't get contracts. But uh, yeah, right. like, so you hate that some guys just shoot them way shoot themselves out of a contract. But 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 a guy like Wallace, to your point, Steve. I mean, maybe maybe he was just a defensive stopper. He was in Arkansas for like less than a year, and now he's in the big leagues. I mean, maybe he can score more as a pro. There's always that chance, too. I mean, he was probably asked to, like, guard the best defensive player. I mean, I know you have great insight with college hoops. You were saying he's a really dominant defender. You know, maybe oh, yeah, so that yeah. was probably he was one of a, yeah, yeah, he was one of, Arkansas, so maybe he he was one of Arkansas's top defenders. Uh, matter of fact, yeah, now Eric showing, Musselman. Now he's showing, yeah, now he's showing he can score, too. So, I mean, good for him, man. Maybe he becomes a better yeah. offensive player. Maybe he didn't even get the, get the ball to, to shoot much at Arkansas. So he's got potential. Yeah, I think I'm, it's really exciting to watch summer league. There's a lot of untapped, well, un, untapped gems too. Yeah, he did. He did actually get. He did get his opportunity to shoot a lot uh, in Arkansas. The only problem was he was a very hot and cold type of shooter gotcha. with Arkansas, and maybe yeah. it's because. It's funny because uh, from what he said, he said if anything, the Celtics encourage him to shoot. The Celtics encourage him. Uh, so yeah. far, have yeah. encouraged him. If you have a shot, you take yep. it. You don't pass up that shot. That's empowering for him. It builds his confidence, and 
obviously, duh, that, you know, win-win. And then the Celtics want to really see what they got. Yeah, you know, so they're like, yeah, we want you to shoot it instead of some 31-year-old who's trying out on his second time from Europe. Like, you know, a guy like that on the summer league team, the Celtics really want to uh, watch a lot and really want him to, to yeah. show his stuff, if you will. Uh, he could be a really good pro. So, you, I mean, as a Celtics fan, you were saying earlier today, I mean, that's, you love to see that performance right away. Uh, some yeah, guys are ready for the league right away. Talk about kicking ass right out of the gate. I mean, some guys are ready from day one. Maybe this is one of those guys. Some are and some are. So, so with that being, you know, with that being said, bringing the bringing this back over to Wembenyama, maybe, yeah. maybe this is just a way of what you know. Obviously, Wembenyama, he isn't going to go all out with it being the summer league, and he's basically getting his feet wet. You know, maybe this is just a way for Wembenyama to get to basically get his feet wet to learn the style of NBA of playing in the NBA as opposed to playing over in France. And yeah. I mean, yeah, he did he did play in the G League, but let's forget or let's not forget he only had like one or two games against the G League. Wow. So yeah. it's not like he was playing on it's not it's not like he was playing it on a consistent basis. No. No, this is a whole new universe for him. I mean, you could say that a guy like Walsh, who looks really impressive for the Celtics, who we were touching upon earlier, uh, yeah. again, he might be, he, he might be more battle-ready, uh, battle-tested, war, uh, ready to play right away. Coming out of Arkansas, playing against Alabama or those guys every night and in practice versus, you know, Wembyana might not be as, as mentally ready, maybe. I mean, yeah, you right. said he only played one. He played very sparingly, very seldomly, very small quantity of minutes small amount of exposure to the G League, most of his maturation and competition was, was in France. Uh, there's some good players. Blazers drafted a good second-rounder from France. They've always had good French players. Nicolas Batum. There's good French players that have come through the forest. Uh, France always has good players, but it, it's a different animal. It's a different beast over here. So, yeah. you know, I, I'll be honest. He's going to have to grow kind of high and just get bigger mentally and physically. May, I think an Arkansas rookie might, might be more prepared to kick ass right away. You know, yeah, and it season. also it also doesn't it also doesn't hurt too that he has a former NBA coach as his coach in uh, Eric Musselman, who helped him get ready. Yep. Well, oh, yeah, you're talking about Walsh. No, yeah. I'm talking about I'm t- I'm talking about Walsh. Uh, when he was yep. at Arkansas, yep. he had he had uh, he had Eric Musselman as his uh, as his coach, and yep. Musselman. He has developed a lot of NBA caliber players. Yes, Denver during his time yeah, at Arkansas. Big, big NBA background. I was just talking about uh, Parker, an influence from France. But yeah, no, compared to Walsh, upbringing in uh, Arkansas, big time Division One. Like you said, NBA presence and scout and 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 tutelage and and mentoring from a guy like Musselman as a coach. I mean, he's probably he, may, he might be more NBA ready right away. To give you an awesome performance, if the season started tomorrow, he might put up better stats than Wembyana. I mean, he just did in summer league. I know summer league's different, but I mean, just mentally, like coming out of Arkansas, he might be readier to go earlier on than Wembyana. It might take an adjustment period for for uh, Wembyana to really get going. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it'll be there will be an adjustment period, but I'll you know I'll say this when it comes to Walsh. Yeah. I think. Well, technically, he is he is ahead of where J.D. Davidson was last year. 
with J.D. Davis okay. and, you know, he had a good summer league, but he didn't he didn't outright impress like J- like Jordan Walsh did this uh, in this first game. Uh, yeah. J.D. Davison, but then again, Davison is more of a point guard while uh, while Walsh is a winger. So, yeah. I mean, Walsh, if he can if he can keep a consistent shot like he did today. And plus, he's 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 probably going to be used if at all, if at all this season. He'll be used for his defense uh, because Musselman actually believes Musselman believes that he could actually guard some of the NBA's elite today if Absolutely. given the opportunity. Right. And think of the different optics. Think of the different responsibilities and workloads and expectations from their head coaches and, and teammates right now. Walsh comes into a playoff right. ready, a really elite roster. Veterans who've been down the block, they've been in the warfare before. These guys know how to play big-time minutes, like Tatum and Brown and Horford. Think about learning under him defensively. Uh, and then, they, okay, we have plenty of scoring. You're the new kid on the block. We heard you're a great defender, kid. You know, first day of practice, Tatum and those yeah. guys are like, you know, go, go, go guard Jalen Brown in the scrimmage. Go guard Tatum. They're going to throw him in and just make him an awesome kick-ass defender because he's already got that that DNA. He's already got that identity coming out of Arkansas, and that's less pressure, right? Yeah. Wow. He's not being asked to be the man and score 25 points as 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 one beyond it, and be the man. Right. He's coming into right. defense. That's just that's just athleticism. Not to say it's easier, but it's a lot less pressure to come into like a new league, like a hockey. Being enforced, be a be a checking center versus be a first line center. What's more pressure? Right. If he's coming in just to be a defender off the bench, you know. Steal, deflect passes, be a be a pest, mark up the best wing on the other team. Walsh could really have a good calling card. A lot less pressure to be asked to be a good defender. So I think Walsh could really and make now, a good uh, impact right away. Yeah. Now, now just, just, to, just to preface, just to preface this for anybody listening, we are not saying that Jordan Walsh is going to be better than Victor Wambanyama. We're no, not saying not, that at all. We're, what not, we're doing is we're comparing. What we're doing yeah. is we're comparing the two. I mean, granted, we all yeah, we all know that Wembenyama was the number one overall, and yeah. uh, Jordan Walsh was taken in the second round. But to be fair, Jordan Walsh was labeled as a first round talent, but he was taken yeah. in the second round. I think so, the overall thing that I'm trying to stress is that the overall premise I'm trying to make the point is that some guys, even if they're a second rounder, some guys are more NBA ready. And guys with a lot less expectations. Hey Walsh, you're gonna you're not gonna be a starter in Boston. Just come off the bench and nope. defend. He has so much less pressure than Wembiana. Right. So I mean, they're right. two different worlds. I think Walsh right away can make a really positive impact. Just doing what's easiest for him. Just playing defense. Defense really is about effort, hustle. You know, you got to be a good athlete. You know what I'm saying? Though, offensively to yeah. be the man, so much more pressure to to get the shot in the clutch and. You know, have to hit free throws. Walsh can just go defense. He's going to have a blast in Boston. So, I mean, right. just a world of different different expectations for both guys. I think Walsh right away will make a good impact. Right. And, and, by, and by the way, uh, Wembenyama, he's going to also have maybe the greatest NBA coach of all time coaching him. Uh, Greg deal. Popovich. Greg, Greg Popovich Papa. has agreed to a new, a new five-year deal worth about $80 million, somewhere around $80 million, it said. Good for him. Man. And Five-year deal. Now, obviously, though, obviously, though, this doesn't 
say whether or not it's a five-year deal to stay as the head coach. It could possibly be maybe he'll transition to some other bit, uh, you know, to the front office or something, kind of like what Brad Stevens did. Because uh, we all know that Popovich was talking about possibly retiring. Unless he had a change of heart yeah, he and has decided, I am going to coach five more years. But uh, he does have, you know, it, it does help Wembanyama that he's going to have may- maybe the one of the best coaching minds to have ever coached in the NBA at his side. Absolutely, man. I mean, talk about a huge uh, blessing for him and a great situation. He's going to get a ton of pressure wherever he goes. I don't care if he's in Milwaukee or Memphis or Minnesota or San Antonio, as who he, being who he is. But as far as a great coach who can really guide him and not be too tough on him and really be smart, like a you know, wise old stage, I mean, Popovich, and he's developed Duncan and Robinson. And then you have a guy like Tim Duncan waiting in the wings to help him. Yeah, I mean, uh, what do you guys I think overall Popovich of our generation could be the best uh, NBA coach. I don't know what you guys think about Without that. Without a doubt. Yeah, I think Papa's up there. Not to sway it over there to that direction, but, I mean, it's a great situation for him to be in. That's why Big Papa's yeah. staying around, too. If, uh, if they didn't land this number one pick, I don't think Popovich signs up for another half decade right away. I mean, that was kind of – I mean, the only, other, the only other – the only two other people I'd put up there with him are maybe Steve Kerr and Phil Jackson, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't argue with that, especially Phil Jackson. It's tough, too. I think Kerr's great. I just – when you have guys that can hit, you know, 10 threes each, Clay and Curry, I, I digress. He is a great coach. I mean, he just they, – they each had awesome rosters. I think, I think Popovich, what he did – yeah, of course he had, you know, size used to dominate, especially back then, right? When the big men, I mean, to have Duncan and Robinson, he's been pretty blessed with those draft picks. But I think Popovich, right. most of the guys like Manu and Parker and, you know, Ginobili and guys like that, John Elliott, I don't know. I don't know. The beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, fans from all those teams can argue on each guy. I mean, each of them have a good case. Good argument can be made for any uh, of those guys. Staying with uh... – Staying with the drama course, because, of course, there can't be a day in the sports world without any drama. Uh, We go from from Tom Brady and and Kim Kardashian to Victor Wembanyama and Britney Spears, now over to Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. As, As we talked about last week, Damian Lillard has requested a trade, and he has said that he will not play for any other team other than the Miami Heat. However, this does not mean, this does not handcuff Portland from going to any other team and saying, "What do you want for Damian, or what what are you going to give me for Damian Lillard?" He doesn't. They don't have to trade him to Miami. There's other teams that could be willing to give up their price that they're asking for, and that price was revealed today. The official asking price for Damian Willard is four first-round picks and two quality players. That now, goes coming off as an all-star, they're not going to say, well, I need four. Yeah, that could change, but, yeah, I guess yeah. that's like the bottom 
the, the basic offer they're looking for. It could always change with the right deal, but yeah. No, I think it's great. Portland's not backing down. I know I, I mentioned it last week. Oh, you have to go to Miami? No, you don't. We're, we have your we have your contract. We have your right. We own your – you have a contract with us to play for us only for the next four years. So where you go is up to us. And you, you told us for years you were going to stay in Portland, and now you want to go. Okay, that sucks. Oh, and then you're going to stay yeah. only to Miami? No, it doesn't work like that, Sam. You can't name one team nope. right after you sign a mega deal. No. The, the world doesn't stop just for you, okay? There's other moving pieces. Yeah, the Blazers don't exactly. own everything. They can send them wherever they want to. Get the best deal possible. I know I beat that dead horse already last week, so I'll, I'll kind of stay quieter tonight about it. I mean, I'm eager to hear what you guys think about it because I think Portland, I'm proud. The week since our last great show last Saturday, they haven't budged at all. They're playing hardball now. This this week they've showed they're not they're not right. going to do Dame a favor. What were they they're going to wait for the, the best. They're going to wait for the best package. Yeah, I mean, good for them, man. They're standing tall. It's, you know, smaller market. They're like getting pushed around by the big agents and the bullies and the, the big market guys. Yeah, but we'll they're not budging. Without. Well, yeah, they're Lou, not budging. Lou, you bring up an interesting. You bring up an interesting question, Lou. What would they do without without uh, Damian Lillard? Because well, the thing is, obviously, if, if they get rid of Lillard, you would have to assume that that obviously means they're going to go into a lengthy rebuild. Oh, absolutely. And they had they yeah. did scoot have, uh, his same position, and Shaden Sharp is one of the best young two guards in the game. I mean, they already should have been rebuilding. They've been a 500 team or worse uh, the last three years with Damian Lillard starting. Lillard, I love him. He's 33 years old. All right. Uh, history says, the survey says that He's probably not going to be getting better each year. You know, he's 33. So, time is of the essence. I mean, they're not going to win at all with him this year. So, it's almost better for them that he wants out. Because they did. They drafted his replacement. He was 19 years old. It's like they can stay married to, like, working their asses off to try to get a play-in seed. Or they can actually uh-huh. just rebuild. and get a, But they need to get a really good haul for him. If they get an awesome big man for him, then they have Scoot Henderson and – uh, Sharp, their two best players besides Dame are 19 years old, so they could really have a, a really a really awesome rebuild. I mean, they're kind of like already ready to rebuild, but uh, right. yeah, you can't just send them to Miami. Oh yeah, sure, Dame sounds good. What do you want? Oh yeah, just give me a couple draft picks. No, I mean, this is their uh, this is their awesome, their ultimate poker chip. They really got to get an awesome awesome uh, return for for moving Lillard. I'd look at Boston now, or New York, New York maybe. Now, obviously, though, uh, the so the way the way that uh, first round picks go is you can't trade first round picks in back to back years. So yeah, in, in a single trade, in a single trade, you can't trade first round picks in back to back years. So the way that Miami's draft pool is looking right now, they would have they do not have their first round pick in 2025 matter of fact they do not have any picks in 2025 they if they want to no. cuz they sent that to Oklahoma City uh for yeah. 2025 so if they want to get if they if they want to get Damian Lillard their package would have to be the 2024 2026, 2028, and 2030 first-round picks, which would leave them yeah. with 
2027 and 2029 as their only first round picks in the next five or six years. Yep. And to and go along big. with those, go uh-huh. well, to go along with those picks, they would also have to throw in Tyler Harrow and yep. Duncan Robinson. You know, even though Duncan Robinson was played sparingly, I would consider him to be the mark no of a quality player. So, yeah. No, for a rebuilding team, Duncan Robinson's like a, role, a decent role player. Wouldn't start for the Knicks. Wouldn't start for the Nets. Definitely, definitely would not start for the Celtics. I mean, is that a guy I want back for Lillard? If I'm like a young Portland team? I mean, you know what I mean? I'm not... I think Doug Robinson is a pretty, pretty, pretty good player. You know, like on an yeah. awesome team, he's like a role player. I just, I don't think he fits. He's definitely like not good enough for, you know what I mean? As far as a really sweetheart, kick-ass package. If I'm Portland, I'm not like, oh wow, okay, give me Robinson. He's not high. Let high me ask you list. this. I mean, they, 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 don't, and they don't want Hero either. They don't. They do not want Hero. Their two best players are young guards. Hero is a guard. Right. They really don't need Hero. If that makes sense, they right. need a big man. Let me. Uh, let me ask you this: Would you rather would you rather want Duncan Robinson or would you want Caleb Martin, who got absolutely exposed by yeah, the Denver Nuggets? Great question. Great, great, uh, you know, yeah. option right there. And again, I like Duncan Robinson. I'm not trying to be a snob. I'm just I'm just thinking through Portland's lens. They're not looking at Duncan Robinson like, oh, give me him. Martin, yeah. Right. So Martin, I think is a better vet, right? Better defensively. Think, think about it. You bring him in as far as like a culture. Portland's rebuilding. They got a bunch of like nineteen, twenty-one year old guys in the locker room. Caleb Martin would be awesome, I think. Um, but again, doesn't yeah. really like move the needle or you know float the boat. I don't think Portland wants. I, I think they want. I think they want like a Nick Claxton, and even a Ben Simmons to give him a shot, like a package like that, or obviously. Steve, we've gone back and forth in this. Even if they gave up, like, Simons or Nurkic, too, maybe, and a pick, maybe they try to get a Jalen Brown for Lillard. I know that's deep. But, like, I think Portland's quietly trying to get something like that and not just get, like, a bunch of picks and then, like, a Duncan Robinson. Because I think just Duncan Robinson's not going to do anything for him. Um, and Hero really doesn't right. – Hero has a massive contract. Hero, Hero's a really good uh, scorer. Portland has that with Simon, Sharp, and Scoot. Like, their three best players are all smaller guards. They don't need another smaller guard. They need size. So, I really, I think they're going to be really stringent and strict about trying to, like, trying to find a, a trading partner that offers them a big man, like a, like a, like a Claxton or even like a Horford or, or Time Lord. I think Nets or Celtics might swoop in and get Lillard. Now, as far as the Celtics go, I could see them – Chances are they probably will actually. Let me double check real quick. Let me see what Boston has. I'm back and forth. I know. I know he's older. I know you. I know you love Jalen, and that's a top commodity. I, I, I know Portland would. You wouldn't want to do a Jalen basically straight up for Lillard. I mean, that'd be a massive move. You'd have Dame with uh, Jalen Brown and for Lillard. Lillard. You'd have Jalen Brown for Lillard. Tatum and Lillard. Yeah, maybe we maybe we yeah. give you like Nurkic too, or like another like. Uh, here's the problem with that <laughs> is Lillard Lillard is going on thirty. So now now granted, I'll, I'll put it this way: it would be a better fit. But here's what I'm looking at: Jalen Brown is literally just coming into the prime of his career. You know where he's he's literally improving every single year still. 
Uh, yeah. You know, he's he's due for the Supermax. Um, here's the problem, though. With Lillard turning 33, you don't know how many years left he has of actual – I mean, yeah, you know, he could he could end but, up being one of those players like LeBron who plays uh, elite basketball until he's 38. But it's not a given that that's yeah. actually going to happen. It's uh, not a given that he's actually going to play that elite level of of play all of the all of these years, however many years are left on his deal. So. If I was Boston, I would. I, I'm not sure if I would go for that. If I would go for a for a straight up one for one. Yeah. Now, if you look at if if I'm Boston right now, I'm looking at how I can get this to work. You have your first round pick in in 24. You have your first round pick in. Basically, you have your first-round picks all the way from 24 to 2030. So, first-round picks, it's no problem. It's no problem for first-round picks. You could do 24, 26. Oh, wait, no, they don't have 28. Um, Okay, they would have to do 25. Ooh, you know what? I don't know if Boston could do it because unless they allow them to trade their first round pick in twenty thirty one, but I don't think they can I don't think they will. Because I think it's only a five uh I think it's only a five a five year time frame per season that they can <laughs> I do that it. Might be the dark, that might be the dark horse that they might be whispering over to Boston. Everyone's looking at Miami. I, Miami just doesn't have what Portland wants. I, I mean, the thing is, Dame keeps saying oh, only Miami. I mean, if you get traded to Boston, if it's so important to go somewhere and win, because he keeps saying, I wanted to stay in Portland, but they keep getting younger, which is true. They didn't, you know, they didn't go out and get the big second or third star for him. And they drafted his replacement. That's why he's pissed off. So Dame's leaving. Turn the page. But So if he does want to go to a team that's ready to win, I mean, I think Boston – I think Boston's more ready again than Miami. Miami's lost a lot. I mean, I think Boston's right, ready to go to win a ring next year. That's why I'm finding it hard to believe. Like, are you really saying that it's Miami or bust? You really tell me yeah, that weird. if you, you really tell yeah. you, you really are telling everybody that if you got shipped off to somewhere like Boston or Philly or even the Lakers. Yeah. You know, not saying from, that that's from California, happen, but from Oakland, you know, from Oakland. Yes, he's a California. Lewis is a California guy. He wouldn't. I, I mean, he wouldn't really, get out. Are you really tell? Are you really telling everybody that you're not gonna go for that? You know, you're <laughs> not going to, uh, you know, pursue that option. That I mean, that guy, oh, I don't you would that. refuse. That you would you would refuse. And this is this is what his agent is saying. His agent is claiming that he would refuse to report for any team that acquires him other than the Miami yeah. Heat. No, it's a shock. I mean, talk about, like, clean cut. This guy, I don't think he's gotten, like, a parking ticket. This guy's always said and done the right thing. Right, like, yeah. a small, small, like, Weber State College. 
He always said Portland took a chance on him and took him the lottery. No one else wanted him, and he's going to stay forever. He's done a ton in the community. He's built, like, three houses in Portland. He has kids there, and now he's, like, out of the blue. I just want to go to Miami. Like, what, did he, like, meet a, meet a, a new girl out yeah. in Miami? Like, why is it just Miami? An eighth seed who, obviously, they, they earned the right to get to the finals, but they're not, like, the next dynasty. I, don't, I mean, they also lost Struess and uh, a couple other guys, Gabe Vince. Why is it just Miami, though? I, I think – He's got to expand his list. You can't – in NHL, you don't see McDavid going, I just want to be traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like, okay, good. You're under contract with Edmonton. You can't You can't tell us where you have to go. Like, we owe your – Right. We have your contract in our hands. It's just very strange. I mean, they're, they're, he can he can sit at the end of the bench or sit at home and watch them next year. <laughs> like, if, if Miami doesn't right. give us the best yeah. deal, would you guys move him to Miami? I wouldn't. I'd move him where I get the best. I would deal. take. Uh, honestly, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I know there's this whole thing about how, oh, he he took one for the team, and he, you know, he was the ultimate soldier, you know, uh, the ultimate rah rah type of uh, type of player. But at the same time, this is a business. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is this is the biggest star that Portland has had in how, however many years, you know, since yeah. the, uh, like a, since what, the, Brand, since the Brandon Roy years? Yeah, Roy or Drexler, Bill Walton. Yeah, Roy. I mean, yeah, it's like we loved, you know, I'm not, dude, I'm, I'm no, I'm not part of Portland, obviously, but like the Blazers, Blazers love him. He's like Mr. Blazer, but I, you know, now it's like, oh, but now suddenly I just, I just sent me to Miami and nowhere else. Like he's got to be realistic. Give, give, provide a list of like three or four teams. Like you said, would he turn down going to play with Joel Embiid? Would he get upset if he had to suit up with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown or, you know, KP or whoever's there? Like, he's got to be a little bit more uh, flexible than Miami or Bucks. Otherwise, he's going to be sitting yeah. on the bench or just not playing because I don't think Portland's going to just go, okay, high five, you know, you know, we'll take whatever, good luck. No, they, they want a good return for their, their favorite blazer. Yeah, Lou. What, what's your what's your thought on this, Lou? Uh, with with basically Damian Lillard is uh, his agent is claiming to to teams that want to try and trade for him. Yeah, if you're trade if you're trading for him, you're trading for an unhappy player. You're trading for Very somebody nice. who will not report to camp. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, so there's no sense in that. And like I said, without Lord, I think the Blazers are going to be in for a lot of trouble. Uh, you know, I think they're going to be, like I said, that dreaded word rebuild, and it's just going to come right apart the seams. So, you know, the Blazers better watch out for what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, but if so you're – Lou, if yeah. you're the Blazers, would you not – you would not try to just do them a favor and send them to Miami. Would you, would you'd want to get the best trade package back for them. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're the Blazers, would you want to get the best offer for him? Of course. Yeah, I mean, I, Steve, I mean, they might he might be holding that for a while. I guess he just doesn't want to play for anyone but Miami. So, good luck to him. I'd say don't send him to Miami. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all because, we have, you know, we have seen this happen before where – Players have held out. I mean, we saw this happen with uh, with Kevin Durant, where ultimately, you know, he asked for a trade uh, last off season. 
he ultimately ended up re, uh, rescinding the trade request and because he was happy that Kyrie Irving got to come back and whatnot. But still, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like uh, something, uh, a situation like this could drag on for quite some time unless Miami can find somebody that quickly that will join them in a three-team trade that could offer such a package that Portland couldn't say no to it. I I mean, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, though, I feel Miami does have the package. Considering what the price is that came out today, Miami does have the package that could land them, uh, that could land them Damian Lillard. They'd have to give up Hero. They'd have to yeah. give up Hero. They'd have to give up Robinson and the four first-round picks. They don't want Hero or Robinson on the – the Blazers do not want either player. Mm-hmm. They would be in, more interested in Jovic, the young uh, big man, the first-rounder first rounder last year. Steve, I know we were talking about him. Raw, he didn't play, obviously, in the finals in the playoffs. 6'10", though, um, really good shooter, a European guy. He would be like, yep, like I know someone they target. And then, yeah, and then Jamie Jack was is a uh, small forward from UCLA who was, God, I think maybe the, one of the maybe the college player of the year. He was up there. That's, they just, Riley just signed, the Heat just signed him, though, so they need 30 days to wait. To, but, I mean, they want, like, younger players. I, I don't think, they don't want Tyler Hero at all. Hero would have to go to a third team because he's a massive contract, and they don't, they don't need a guard. That's the thing you with know, Hero. They need a something big man. That I think could big work. Man. Something that I think could work, and I, uh, again, I'm going out of the box here with this. Yeah, but go for it, man. I just I don't think that Boston would would help unless they were landing Damian Lillard themselves. But thinking outside the box here, Boston pissed off Brogdon by yep. including him in the in the Kristaps Porzingis trade to begin with. Then uh, the whole entire issue with his medicals came up, and he got taken out of the trade. So you've already pissed him off. So technically, you do have to trade him. What if Boston were to include him in the deal that would send Tyler Harrow over to Boston? Because Boston has been infatuated Boston was infatuated with Hero back when he was drafted because he got drafted before Boston had the chance to grab him. Yeah, but Blazers need a big, and they need to get young. Blazers would target Time Lord. I don't think the Blazers would target Brogdon. And, Steve, you know I love Brogdon. I just I don't think that's what the Blazers are looking for. They want – because, like Lou said, the dreaded word. I mean, it is what it yeah. is. The day is – rebuild is alive and well right now in Portland. I mean, they're two best players. Yeah, now. I last don't – drafts. They, they've had two high picks. I'm telling you what, you, everyone's been talking about Scoot Henderson, the number two pick this year. The number seven pick last year, Shaden Sharp, is even better. I mean, Portland's got two really good guards that are both 19 years old. I just, I don't, maybe Brogdon could, like, mentor them. I just, I think they, they want they want a big man like Time Lord or, like, Nick Claxton. So, like a young, Honestly, so that, way, just, that way they have I a young, see. they have a young nucleus to, to build right now. I don't think they just want, like, role players that are older. They want to really rebuild right. with you. Uh, and honestly, though, I don't see them. I don't see them getting Time Lord unless Damian Lillard is going back to Boston. I don't see I, Boston. I, 
I mean, what was that? If, if, if Boston didn't have to give up uh, Jalen Brown, they would be the odds-on favorites to win the finals if they landed uh, Lillard. I mean, absolutely, 100%. Yes. That would yes. be an absolute I, I lethal think, uh, team. Adding, been... adding, Porzingis, adding Porzingis and Lillard without breaking up Tatum and Brown is mind-boggling. Yeah, there's be been a whole bunch. Of, there's been a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of reporters have said the same thing that uh, they would be considered yeah. the odds-on favorites in order if they were to if they were to end yeah. up, uh, you know. And, but and I back to Boston, and you're one of my good friends on the show and, and elsewhere too. Like I love talking everything with you. And if if we have to give up my favorite player to somewhere as a Blazer fan, that would be really fun to have him be a Celtic. I, yeah. you, I don't want him to go to Miami. <laughs> you know, if he goes to Brooklyn, he could be on loose team. And, I mean, I, and Lillard's just such a great player that not people know about. So, I just don't want to see him go to Miami for, like, right. pennies on the dollar. I'd rather see him go to, like, a Boston team. You know, I just the, the whole Miami – take trading me to Miami or no one else. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Why why are you talking like this? <laughs> Where's your loyalty of game? Like, you know, he's got he's to expand a little yeah. bit like three or four teams. I mean, have you ever seen an NHL also, player do this or – NFL where they just say one team like randomly yeah. like no this isn't like we're not trading cards at the dinner table like this is a big business you can't just say oh I want to go there now <laughs> it's like right I don't know it's out of left field I don't know and also right. also as they said uh as as it was reported from Adrian Wojnarowski too uh backing up what you said earlier Alex uh, the my or the uh, Miami Heat package, the Portland Trail Blazers are reportedly not impressed with, it's according not, to Adrian Wojnarowski. Yeah. And I like Duncan Robinson and, and the hero. I thought think it's really cool. He's a really fun player to watch. But I mean, literally, like they're really young, and, and they're you know ninety percent like the best talent in Portland are smaller guards. They just literally they don't need uh, a guard. And Robinson, like, I'd take him, but, like, I, you know, I just want something a little bit better than that, you know, if you're giving up, like, your all-time legend player. Right. I mean, overall, I like Duncan Robinson. It's just it doesn't doesn't float the boat. I don't think it does it for, like, the Portland GM. He, he wants something a little bit better along with picks. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, needless to say, uh, this is probably something that I wouldn't be surprised if if this drags on and he's still a trailblazer all the way up until the trade deadline. We may see something similar that happened with with Kevin Durant, where Durant stayed in that all the way until the trade deadline when he then got dealt. That's right. Yeah, man. I mean, I mentioned on Lou's show just for two seconds. I mentioned on Lou's show before (laughs) NBA now is just getting crazy. People are just, I want to play with him. I want to go there. Yeah. Oh, my best move to Minnesota. So I have to be a wolf tomorrow. It's like the teams have no control. The players are just like running the, run the whole circus. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's definitely been watering down the sport right. a little bit to me. It is, yeah. Uh, but, you know, obviously this is a ongoing situation. So we probably yeah. won't see this resolved, honestly, for quite some time. Um, I'd be surprised if if this gets resolved anytime soon. Uh, one of the other one of the other uh, moves go, going back into the NBA free agent frenzy, the Boston Celtics have traded Grant Williams to the mm. Dallas Mavericks as part of a sign and trade. 
Grant Williams will sign a contract worth four or, or for four years worth $54 million with Boston receiving two future second round picks as well as a second round pick swap from Dallas. Uh, also involved in the trade, also involved in the trade is San Antonio, who receives Reggie Bullock and an unprotected pick swap with the Mavericks in 2030. And Dallas, in return, will also pick up two future second round picks as well. So, yes. honestly, this is a good trade. I feel for Dallas. Williams shot nearly 40 percent from three last season. Uh, yep. which included a 43% clip on corner on corner threes. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. He's going to have his games where he's going to go off, but let me put it to you like this. I think he can be replaced by Jordan Walsh. Because uh, Jordan Walsh, to me, Jordan Walsh, to me, kind of reminds me a little bit of Grant Williams' first season. When Grant Williams yep. got his feet wet, he started playing in more games as the season went on. He started getting his feet wet, and he and I believe Williams ended up playing in like thirty games. And I'm not just talking, you know, yep. uh, I'm not just talking thirty games of uh, of you know mop up time, uh, garbage, mop, yeah, time mop up whatnot. Time. Yeah, he actually played in legitimate minutes. And I kind of feel like uh, this. Uh, here's the weird thing: is that this price, I feel Boston could have possibly could have possibly given him because this is the apparently, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, this is the extension that he originally wanted from Boston to begin with. That he wasn't gonna he wasn't asking for eighteen to twenty million per season, uh, like what was previously reported. So the fact that Boston decided to not bring him back at this dollar amount kind of tells me that they think that Jordan, uh, that Jordan Walsh or O'Shea Brissett, who they signed recently, they feel that either of those two players can fill the void that Grant Williams is going to leave. Yeah. And yeah, no, honestly, that... I, think this is, I think this is a good deal for Dallas. Because Dallas, ever uh, ever since they made that Kyrie Irving trade, you know, a lot of people believe that they gave up a lot more than they than they uh, than they should have given up for Kyrie. Grant Williams is going to add a little bit of depth back to that lineup, and if anything, he's he yeah. immediately will start at power forward. He's yeah. he's obviously an upgrade over Maxi Clever. Yeah, Grant Williams is definitely an upgrade there. Steve, and then that's power forward. They need defense, rebounding. Grant gives you some of that, and then he has a nice three-point touch. Uh, and, and also sometimes addition by subtraction. You mentioned Brichette, the newcomer from Indiana that Boston just added. Let's also think about yep. in-house, what they already had, Sam Hauser. Uh, Hauser I really like on the Boston bench. Sometimes addition by subtraction. Sometimes you wave goodbye to someone, and then the, the guy waiting in the wings is even better next year. So they already have some people in-house in their, on the roster that are already really good that will now get those minutes, that will step into right. that void. So now someone else might inherit those minutes and uh, his playing time. I mean, Grant Williams, come on, poking the bear, that just kind of like wrapped it up for me. I was like, okay, 
it's time for this guy to find a new a new a city. You know, he kind of you know wore out the welcome mat with that one. And now and then you they know have Tim House. They have other they have other weapons on the bench. I mean, Boston has a deep team, so I don't think they're going to miss him one bit. Quite frankly. Right. Yeah, they got they got O'Shea Brissett. They signed Delano, they signed Delano Banton yes. from uh, yeah. from Toronto as well. Yep. Uh, they're bringing in Jordan Walsh. Eric Hauser. So, yeah. And Hauser, yeah, obviously. Uh, Hauser, you know, hopefully he's. I do hope he gets a little a little extra, uh, you know, a little extra uh, piece of the uh, playing time compared because I, I honestly feel. I, I honestly feel that if they had inserted him into the lineup against Miami, I honestly feel like that series could have been potentially different when it came to, uh, you know, those first three games where Miami, it looked like Miami uh, was on their way to sweeping them. They barely used Sam Hauser. And I think the problem, you know, the problem with Boston against Miami was that they weren't showing any changes like there was nothing that was really being switched up it's so it almost be like you know going almost to uh relying too heavily on two lines in hockey or lacrosse not you know not subbing out any lines whatever whatever you want to say or you know soccer not 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 bringing not using the bench enough like boston should they have a good bench boston should have used a guy like hauser more last year I think that's on Missoula. I think Amadoka would have given him more of a chance, but I think he's. I think Hauser's ready for the prime time. It's like, it's like, damn if you do, damn if you don't, right? It's a catch twenty two because the media will kill you if if right. you bring in a guy like Hauser in like prime time where every minute, every play is under a microscope. You know, it's like, oh, why'd you play that guy? But like, you're right. I think Grant Williams. I just thought like lost his ability to be effective. I think he lost a lot of face too and a lot of reputation. Uh, with the Celtics, all right. you know, when he kind of poked the bear, it's like, all right, dude. Still, I'm not going to hate you forever as a Celtics fan, you know, for the, the Celtics fan yeah. out there. But it's like, let's let's bring in someone new. It's time for a change for everyone. All right, hang on one second. We have a uh, we have a new caller calling in. Caller, you're on the air. What's not hey, how you guys going? Is this Naj? Yeah. How did how did you know that? Naj. Uh, uh, I kind of, I, I kind of, even though, even though the numbers blocked off, I, I kind of figured because usually, uh, I mean, you're, you're probably the one person that has, that has called in to this podcast. Uh, so harassing y'all for one, years. Compared, compared, yeah. compared to the other, compared to the other people, you know, compared to the other people that have called in who have basically, normally when they block their numbers, they call in to basically just do some sort of random dick joke and, uh, and troll the podcast and whatnot. Um, but you have actually, called, you have actually called in with very, with very knowledgeable, uh, very knowledgeable Congrats. insight. So, um, I was hoping it was you that was calling and not somebody else that, uh, that I would immediately have to hang up on, but, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Nash. Hey. Uh, yeah, you know we've been talking. Hey, we've been talking a whole lot of basketball tonight uh, so far. So what? Uh, what are your thoughts on? I mean, hell, we'll just run, we'll run down the list here. What we've been talking about. Let you know. Let's go back to Damian Lillard for a second. What are your thoughts on Damian Lillard seemingly being a diva 
when it comes to his whole entire trade request that he won't play for anybody else other than Miami. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I think we're looking at this wrong. I, I, I think Dame is doing the right thing. I think he's doing what he should have done a long time ago, but he had this idea of loyalty being important and this idea of despite Neil O'Shea being incompetent at his job, that he could just work hard and make it go away. Yeah. And then that's just not reality that's the in the NBA. That's the yeah, right, right. That's why Neil yeah. O'Shea is not there anymore. Like, if somebody does former a bad GM, job yeah. and the roster's not good enough, like, you're not going to win in the NBA. This is not the NCAA tournament one and done. You have to win a series. Yeah. And with the roster they had, they just never were going to win. And they're doing the right thing by rebuilding, and he's doing the right thing by leaving. Now, him saying he wants to only go to Miami, I get it. Like, you don't want to just be traded anywhere, so you want to go somewhere where you got a chance to do something. Like, I, I understand that, and it's his, his agent's job to call all those other teams and, and try yeah. to sour any other deals. Like, that's what he's being paid to do. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really not that mad at that. This dude stayed there for 11 years, man. Like, I mean, what, what else <laughs> what yeah. more can you want? The player of this franchise is more valuable because he was there. And I'm sure after he's done in Miami or wherever, he'll come back and do his farewell tour and then put his jersey up and, you know, buy, they'll let bygones be bygones. But, man, I, I can't be mad at Dame for waiting this long to leave because other guys would have gotten out of there a lot faster than he did. He, he tried to make it work. Like, I think he legitimately tried to make it work. Yeah. And at this point, they got scooped a young draft pick, and it, it's time to move on. So yeah, I, I say, I, I say it's just like a bad breakup where two people are nice and they don't want to hurt each other's feelings. But hey, man, yeah. it's time to go. <laughs> time hey, to Steve, go. you mind? Since, right. Since I'm just such a since I'm such a little nut, you mind if I chime in first, Steve, real quick? Because I love what he just said. Yeah, go, I go, mean, I, go ahead. Al. Yeah, I mean, just, just, I, I'm a lifelong Blazer fan since Clyde the Glide, Cliff Robinson from UConn, uh, damn Buck Williams, all the old school guys. I, I've loved Lillard my whole life. I think he's a he, Best blazer I've seen, and, and loyal to the core, like you said, which I love. I think every good sports fan loves loyalty, but especially in a small market. Yeah, the, the former GM, like you said before, man, great point. I mean, the, the, his second, his second, the second best blazer for years was CJ McCollum, another mm-hmm. smaller, like six two guard. You can't win with two small guards. That's the best they could do. And then this this coming draft, what just occurred with Scoot Henderson going number two, the Victor draft. He was just saying, guys, you know, try to try to move the pick and get a veteran. They didn't get any veterans, and they got they drafted his replacement. So I, I understand game has game has he doesn't owe them anything at this point. Like they burned the bridge right there. They didn't surround him with the right help. They drafted his replacement. They're basically saying like we already got someone to take your place, which is a slap in the face. I just wish Dame would open up, you know, the flexibility a little bit and just not name one team. Because that really hasn't happened that much with other pro athletes. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think he should at least maybe add, like, another team or two, like Boston or or, or the Lakers? Or, or do you think it's okay to just stay to just Miami? It just that's, makes it tougher to play. No, I, I get what you're saying, but that's where it gets particular to Dame. Other guys would be happy to go to Boston or one of these other contenders where you could easier uh, – he could much easier win a chip. But – to Dame, it wouldn't mean as much if he didn't have to go somewhere and grind. So he's going to go to this team that made the finals as an AC that we all agreed probably wasn't that good, kind of got some lucky breaks swing their way. 
ended up in the finals. Like they like. I, I I just think this is all part of his makeup, man. You know, he's teasing Paul George for years, running from the grind, running from the grind. So he doesn't want to just go to an already made team and just be a complimentary piece on Boston's yeah. team and easily win a chip. Uh, he he really wants to feel like he has to earn it. So I'm guessing yeah. that's why the the Miami thing with the Heat culture and everything else was fits right in the head. So, yeah, I, so I'm not so down on Dame on this. I, I just think it's time. And, and Portland, to Portland's credit, it would have been bad business for them to trade the number three pick and get somebody else out there and, and try to win a chip with that with the team they have. Like, no, it, it wasn't. Like, no, yeah, they needed to draft Scoot. Right. They were talking about they were talking about like Zion Williamson or Siakam. Let's be honest. Like, that's a quick fix. That's like a six seed. If you have, you know, Dame and like – Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant, and then you add like a Siakam. That's not going to blow anyone away. And then right. and game thirty-three, game thirty-three right now. They're not winning it, so it's it's better for everyone if he moves right. on. I just I just was hoping as a Blazer fan that he would give them a little bit more options than just Miami because that that kind of ties the Blazers' hands. So they have to basically accept whatever Miami wants to give. So it's like yeah, it makes it harder for yeah, the Blazers. It does. Yeah, it, it does, but at the same time. When you're a premier player of, of his caliber, I mean, I think he's earned that. I think he's earned the ability to say that. Now, of course, he doesn't have the no trade clause, but would he have given? Would they have given it to him if he had asked? Yes. Could yeah, he have opted out the last deal and not taken this extension and just made it messy and left? Yes. So I mean, he did right by them. So I, he signed I, I a supermax. No yeah, he signed a supermax when they were like coming out of the lottery. I mean, he he was incredibly loyal. That's what makes it so such an incredible thing to just watch. I know it's a lack of a better word, but it's like, I, I've never seen this before because he is like, he was so loyal and now it's like, just send me to one place. It's just like a total yeah. 180. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and again, like I said, I agree with Dan. I, I think this is what he should do. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And no, you're not going to get the compensation that you, that, uh, you know, was possible out there. But then at the same time, when you think about it, things getting up there, man. How much yeah. did you really think you were going to get? Like, uh, unless you get somebody where you get a new owner like in Phoenix where somebody just wants to make a splash and he overpays for Durant, he had a few yeah. deals really working in that way lately. Like, teams yeah, are good point. Of... Well, Naj, to put, just to put it, to put it uh, like that, since you brought that up, you know, how much are they expecting to get? Their asking price is apparently four first-round picks and two quality players in exchange for Damian Lillard. Yeah, and I want to see Rihanna tonight. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you can, can ask for ridiculous things. That doesn't mean those ridiculous things are going to happen. You know Right. Like, yeah, that's, that's way too much. <laughs> That's way too much, man. No. no, but I mean, come on. No, Steve. Steve yeah. brought up a good point. I mean, that's the asking rate. I mean, it's does it sound outrageous? Yes, but yo, this is the NBA. I mean, KD, they got you know half an army of draft picks. I James Harden. I mean, these these and then teams are flipping you know eighteen second round picks for one role player. I don't think it's that crazy of an ask a request to get four number ones for them. I I don't know. That's kind of the I, I just, rate right I, now. I just guys. I, I just don't see that that price paying off for anybody. So, like, think about the Durant thing. You get the new owner, Ishba, he comes in, 
He's got Isaiah Thomas with him, and he just wants to get the uh, deal done no matter what. So Brooklyn just said, oh, we got this dude over a barrel. We'll stick him for everything. Now, yep. is that in Phoenix's best interest? Now they got a team with no bench, and they got to figure out a way to move Aiton to, you know, get that team filled out. And, and, and think no, about yeah. Boston. Think about Boston. You guys are just talking about Grant Williams. Grant Williams is a really good role player. And Boston yep. said, we yep. like you, but we don't like you at that number. And yeah. I think that's reasonable. Like, <laughs> hey, good times you had here in Boston. You were a great rotation guy, but we're not paying you that. See you later. No, he's. I mean, he's, yeah, he's was, a seventh man. I'm not paying a seventh. I mean, I, he could be a sixth man. I, Grant Grant Williams doesn't move the needle. He, I think he's a good bench player. I got nothing wrong with him. But well, like you, you might have heard when Steve and I and Lou were talking about it, as far as his role, I mean, I think he kind of just. He was ready for a new home after, you know, the poke and the bear. And then yeah. he's replaceable to me. They have – Boston has other guys that are kind of similar, including Walsh, the rookie, and Hauser. I mean, they have other people in-house. I think both parties are better when Grant, Mo- Grant Williams moves on. All Hauser needs to do is get stronger so he can play a little more 3-4 and guard some bigs. And if he gets stronger, he'll get more minutes because his shooting is already there. So, yeah, you can add him into the rotation. And also, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, – I, I know this has become a big topic online with uh, Victor Wembanyama making his debut last night and putting up only nine points when yet – nine points and eight rebounds when yet he's, he's being hailed as the second coming of LeBron James or the second coming of Michael Jordan uh, for, for, by basically all NBA fans. Around the world, what like what? What are your thoughts on Wembenyama seemingly struggling in his first? I, I guess you can't really call it his first taste of NBA action because he yeah. technically hasn't played an NBA game yet. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on Wembenyama seemingly struggling his first go around? No, no, no big deal. LeBron played point in summer league and I think had nine turnovers one game. Uh, doesn't matter. Summer league is like juco ball. Uh, for those who don't know, that's junior college. And in junior college ball, everybody's trying to get a scholarship to a <laughs> bigger school, so everybody is out for self. And that's kind of how summer league plays out. So you know, this, this doesn't matter. Just get him some run. Uh, Pop signed on for five years, so that means Pop's going to be around to kind of. Uh, lead him. So, yeah, I, I think that kid has the ability to be everything uh, people think he can. Now, is the talk getting a little far, like calling him Wilt and Duncan and all that stuff? Like, yeah, the talk is getting outrageous. But, yeah, I, I think this kid is every bit as good as Anthony Davis was at this age. So I'm I'm expecting some really great things from him. Yeah, exactly. you know that's a very that's a very interesting point too. That uh, like you brought up the fact that everybody is, and we kind of we kind of brought this up earlier uh, in the show tonight. That you know it's different playing in like play, playing against other players in the summer league than playing against other players in France or in the G League, where he played two games against the G League this year. Uh, you know, you're like you said, everybody is trying to get their spot on an NBA roster. Uh, for any rosters yeah. who may be, you know, 
who may be reserving those last one or two spots, normally two-way players, uh, for maybe one or two people from their summer league roster. And we're kind of seeing that here in the, uh, in the summer league. So, and uh, in the case of, you know, Victor Wembanyama, obviously, you know, he, he, he isn't in danger of losing his roster spot, basically. Yeah. So, you know, put it like this, why, you know, I kind I kind of almost think that maybe perhaps he isn't, really putting in 100%. And the reason why I say that is because he already knows his spot is locked up. All he's trying to do is basically get some of the rust off and get acclimated to playing an NBA-style game as opposed to over in France where, you know, obviously they played a, they played a much different style uh, of basketball. So... This one, I mean, yeah, who they play in France? Yeah, Diane, uh, it's you? more. Yeah, that's Diane. She uh, she just joined us. Uh, that's more. That's more of a. Uh, they play more of a. I guess you could call it the FIBA style, where there's different rules compared to the yeah. NBA and everything. Uh, so. It's it's more. I don't know how I can how I can really explain it, but it's it's a different mindset over there playing over there as opposed to playing in the NBA and playing for a spot on an NBA roster like uh, like a lot of these players are doing right now in the summer league where yeah there are some players like Victor Wembanyama who already have their spot locked up. But, but yeah, then yeah. there are other players who are just who, – who are fighting, basically, to try and get a spot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and everyone loves the uh, under, everyone loves the story of the guy who's going to play off a two-way contract and, and become them. a stud player. There, but there's no way – Wembyana's not going to be coasting, though. I mean – because he's coming in from another country right now. I mean, I know he has a spot. He thinks he hasn't made it in the shade, but he does. He also doesn't want to catch a, a ton of criticism because, you know, if he gets bullied around in summer league, once he gets to the NBA and he's playing in Madison Square Garden on a Saturday night, the Knicks are going to hammer him. Then he's going to go to Brooklyn and then go to LA. I mean, every night there's going to be players that are bigger and stronger that are older than one beyond it. So, I mean, I don't think he can afford mentally or physically to just kind of coast. I mean, He's got to be on a mission right now to prove his status, I think. Yeah. No, but, you know, and, and, as long as he doesn't get injured, like, everything is going to be fine. I expect Chet Holmgren to win Rookie of the Year next year. I don't think Wimbledon is going to win Rookie of the Year. But as far as the trajectory of their careers, I think Wimbledon is just going to continue to go up, and it's going to be absurd by the time, you know, we get into three and four years of this guy. Yeah. So just think about it. At, at this level right now, Let's say he goes out there and he gives you what? Nine or ten points, eight boards, three blocks, and that's his rookie year. Unimpressive, but right. dude, seven four, seven four. It's like as bad Sorry. as he played the other day, he led the break a couple of times and dished off for layups to people. Like that kid is supremely talented. And I just think if he stays healthy, man, like 
That's a Hall of Famer right there. Oh, yeah. He's got almost oh, yeah. like a better handle than uh, – he almost got a better handle than uh, Greek Freak coming out. He wasn't as yeah. highly praised. Yeah. Greek Freak, a lot of people loved him or hated him. He was kind of polarizing. Um, that's why he went, I think, 13th, as Steve pointed out earlier in the show. There wasn't as much hoopla. Yeah, 15th. Greek Freak was more of a risk. I mean, Wembeon is kind of like a no-brainer, the next one. I mean, like you said, man, I mean, yeah, 10 points. I think this year he'll probably put up like maybe 13, 12 or 13 and like 10 and like four blocks. And he's he's just getting his feet wet. He's learning the culture. He's learning the whole industry. I mean, he's just getting started as far as being on, in a new country. I mean, so, yeah, I think this year, like, it's kind of like whatever he does well this year is kind of a, 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 a bonus. Because, like you said, man, I think by, like, year three or four, he's going to be a consistent all-star. I just don't know if he's going to be the next LeBron level or Kobe level or even Steph Curry level. I don't know. Exactly. I think he's going to be a great pro. I just don't know what if he's going to be, like, a yeah, – I don't know if he's going to be, like, a, is, you know, yeah, he's top two or three first. player in the world. I don't know if he's going to be a top two or three or four player in the world. I don't know if he's going to be that. I think he's going to be a really good pro. Probably not. But what team do you think he'll be on? Oh, now he's first. Okay. Yeah. You know, like I said, though, I don't think he had all that bad of a game. Okay, a little low in the scoring department, but, you know, you have all the rebounds, the assists, and, hey, five block shots. I mean, not, not many people have, you know, that many block shots in the game. I just think maybe we, um, you know, over – I think maybe people just overestimate him a little bit. And you know, but you know, he, he was he was decent for his first game. Well, well, put it th- put it this way, you know, uh, and I I said that the, I said this was the same criticism uh, that I had when it came to Chet Holmgren that I felt that Chet Holmgren needed to put on a little more muscle, which by the way, it looks like he has. And because he mm-hmm. looked pretty good today in the in Oklahoma City's uh, summer league game, he looked pretty good today. Uh, so yeah. hopefully, if he can stay healthy, uh, if he can stay healthy, Oklahoma City may actually be uh, a bit of a beast with him this year. They were on the cusp of the playoffs uh, of yeah. the play-in tournament last year, and yeah. I think it's possible they could find themselves in a playoff spot potentially. Uh, I do agree. I do agree with what Naj said earlier too. I do think that Holmgren yeah. is Holmgren is probably he's he's probably not the favorite to win Rookie of the Year right now, but he's probably going to be the one that would win Rookie of the Year over Wembyama. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Holmgren's more ready. He's he's what three years older than Wembyama. He's sat out a year, maybe a little bit more. You know, thirsty. He's ready to you know kick ass and show people who he is. He's added a little weight. He's up, uh, I think, about 220. He added 11 pounds. So, look, Sim, uh, Wembyana looks damn thin. I mean, Wembyana needs to eat about 80 Hot Pockets. Stop, stop having to eat so, much, so, much, so many Hot Pockets late at night. I, I'm like Mr. Hot Pocket over here. But anyways, no, I mean, Holmgren looks good. And, I mean, and Oklahoma overall, dude. Josh Giddy from Australia, 6'7", combo guard. Then they got Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah. Oklahoma's, you know, got about 90 good young players and 80 draft picks. That seems dangerous. I just – Oh, yeah. I, I, I just don't – I think one beyond it overall, I think in by year three, 20 and 10, all-star, all-star starting center every year. I just don't know if he's going to be, again, I don't know if he's going to be like that transcendent, like elite top five player, like a Steph Curry or a, even a James Harden in his prime. I think he's going to be a really, really good big man. I mean, what do you think – 
I mean, as a call-in, like, do you think he's going to be, like, the, one of the best centers ever or just a damn good player? He's got the chance to, but, again, with, with him and Chet, the injury question is always going to be there because seven-plus, yeah. all of the yeah. running you have to do in today's NBA, all of that's a factor. And then when people are talking about rookie of the year, because I think Chet is plus 300 right now for those who want to get in on it, already got yeah. in on it, but for those who want to. But think about this. Pop is the one who created load management. There's no way when Bignana's playing 82 games. Pop is not going to allow that, man. When they got back-to-backs or three and four nights, he's not he's not putting that kid out there and risking everything. That's the franchise. So they're gonna bring, I think they're going to bring him along slowly and they're going to manage, uh, you know, his whole career. The perfect coach, too, for him. I mean, Duncan, Robinson, I mean, Popovich, we were talking before uh, you jumped on at least one of the best, not the best coach of our era. So he's, he's yeah. not in a perfect situation. Yep, yep. I, I yeah. see what sixty games maybe for Wimbledon. Sixty games besides yeah. that, and then once the the season is almost over and they're out of the playoff race, you shut them down to end the season. Like I, I see that happening easily with Pop because he did this Protect with Timmy and Manu. <laughs> Yeah, I could I see. You know, I can. I I, I could. Uh, I could definitely see that happening with Wembanyama, especially. You know, now that the, with the, with him working with uh, with what's his face uh, Tim Duncan on a regular basis now. Uh, yeah, with him working with him working with Tim Duncan now on a regular basis uh, over yeah. there in San Antonio, I could possibly see where maybe perhaps they give him the second half of a back-to-back off as opposed to – or, or the, the first half or a second half, depending on – kind of like what the but Celtics the, are doing with Al Horford, except the difference is uh, with Al Horford, Al Horford's age is a, is a whole big uh, reason for that, why they not, I mean, do the whole thing. Steve, I don't mean to sound like Al Bundy. I'm not. I'm Clint Eastwood. Get off my lawn. I'm not trying to sound like an old, you know, uh, you know, quack job. But like, come on, we, we're really going to do load management. The kid's 18 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, come on. Let, let the kid play. I really. I, if we're starting to manage his minutes and he's like, you know, can't even walk into a bar yet, is he going to be mentally tough when he's uh, 28 years old? You know, playing on Probably a back to back. I mean, we can't, can't, we can't, I don't think we can load manage a rookie. Is that well, the, well, what don't the league think has of, become? Is the league going to become that? That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, here's the reason why, though. Don't think of load management as a form of Jeez. tough or not tough. Think of load management as they look at, okay, once he's off his rookie deal and we have to max him, we're investing. Yeah. And they're yeah. getting a new TV deal soon, too. When you start talking okay. about investing $200 million into a guy, it, it, you know, it's like those rich people who drive a, a Porsche, but they drive their Honda to work. You yeah, could drive yeah. that, that Porsche every day. <laughs> Should you? <laughs> Probably not. So I think I think that's just how they're going to look at it, man. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's probably more efficient, more, you know, economical, for lack of a better word. I, just, You know what I mean? It's right. an 18-year-old. I want this guy playing as much as possible. But like you said, though, he has, he has to get bigger, too, though. So he might get broken. You know, Holmgren got injured right away. I don't even know how much he suited up. Yeah, last year. He was he was done before he started. Uh, yep. uh, yeah, he Lebanon got injured. Like he, 
Webiano looks like he can bench he, he, press less than Holmgren, so I'm a little bit concerned about both of them. Right. Yeah, he got injured. Uh, he got he got injured before the summer league even began because he scraped up against LeBron James in an exhibition game. Oh uh, yeah, and they're and they're thin guys. And then, I mean, not to keep going back to Portland, but I mean, being a Blazers fan, Greg Oden was the number one pick. He was the hype guy since LeBron, and then I mean, he played like 25 games in his first three years and just never came back to the league. So, I mean, if one starts getting injured, maybe, maybe you guys are right. I mean, maybe you're right, man. Maybe just uh, load management right away. Because, I mean, and that's, he's, he's and not that a big was the changing of the league right there. That pick was the changing of the league right there, where you had Durant on the board and you had Odin on the board. Traditionally, you always get the great big. So, like, people couldn't be mad at Portland for taking Greg Odin. But right. the league was changing and wings were more important than bigs. And, of course, everybody regrets it now because we see what Durant became. But, yeah, man, like, you you, you, you kind of got to be careful with these guys if you're going to put that much into them. Because... I just don't want to – I don't want to see him get, like, bubble wrapped, you know. It's like he's 18, I know. It's going to be tough. Like, you're right. You got to protect your best investment, right? But, like, this guy's got to get ready for, for, for battle. I mean – Yeah. Spurs, Spurs got to have – you know, they have Jeremy Stockton, who I like a lot of small forwards. You know, they're obviously not going to be in contention this year, but you didn't draft this guy to be, uh, you know, TMZ material. Like, they got to have championship designs eventually. Pop signed for five years. So, right there, you have a five-year plan. First year, right. like you said, maybe protect him. You don't want to see him blow out his knee or miss a year. But, uh, I don't know. I think, I think the, the, what do you think about the pressure overall with the media? I think it's been more insane than with LeBron. I think, one be honest, expectations are through the roof. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's going to be tough to handle. We'll see if he can handle that because when LeBron came out, there wasn't social media. So now with social media out, that's where there's it. threads, you know, there's a million threads right now about calling him a bum because of how he played the other night. So <laughs> it's like a one whole, game. Right, it's a whole new level, man. But 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 yeah, just, and I don't know, man. Oh, go ahead, bro. And and not, not well, it's not just that because speaking of the media, you know. Uh, it, you brought up an interesting point where, you know, back back when LeBron was first starting, you know, there wasn't really social media. And not just that, but he's already on TMZ now with the whole Britney Spears incident. <laughs> It'd be so, you know, there's a whole bunch of – he's already involved in a whole bunch of drama, and he's never – he hasn't even played uh, an actual NBA game yet. Yeah, the the front office of the Spurs was pouring bourbon when they saw that Wimbledon story with TMZ. Like you, you couldn't ask for a better opening profile to set up your summer league and to give your star a bigger picture on the world stage than to have that. Do you think that the Spurs will kick him off the team or something because of all this drama? No, no, you don't. You don't draft somebody with the number one overall pick. And then boot them because and, and let's put it this way it was no, like, no, like no, we no. said earlier it wasn't it, it wasn't him that did it it was a member of his security team that did the slapping so yes you know it, Diane Diane you're you know Diane, it just sucks uh, that it had to be him Diane you're a big uh, hockey fan if, if a if a New Jersey Devil it's like something weird happened where a person was approaching them. They wouldn't kick a devil off the team. So, no. I mean, he really – he didn't do anything wrong. He's okay. 
Oh, okay. He just got the headlines. The all press is good press. So, I mean, that, that works for him. He got approached by a Britney. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> got to keep it moving. Keep it moving one day. 611 is one thing in regular circles, but 74 looks ridiculously odd in public spaces. And that's oh, why, God. you know, even she wanted to, like, just kind of run up to him like, man, this is weird. Look how big this guy is. So, yeah, like, yeah, man, I'm I'm hoping the best for the kid, but like I said, I, I just don't see, like, him having this great first year. The first year to me is going to be about development. And, again, Pop is the one who created load management. Mm-hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. we would have primetime games, yeah. and Pop would sit Timmy, Tony, and Manu. And Patty Mills right. would score 30 points, and they would still win, and it would be uh, yeah, you know, Patty a Mills. crazy story for the day. You know, and it, 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 it makes you think, too, why else would Popovich sign on for five more years when this he year believes. was supposed to be his retirement year? But he believes. So He knows the guy. He already knows this is, this is huge. And there's going yeah, and there's so, going to be some there's going to be a lot of, a lot of obligations. So okay, if you're not playing this this day because of this, you got a stretching routine you got to do at nine thirty. You need to meet the okay. trainer down there at nine thirty. Uh, okay. You got yeah. film no. at this, and it's pop. So you can't say no because it's pop. Yeah, right? I, you can try. I, but, just, yeah. I just I just almost grown accustomed. I I'd gotten used for sadly of like. You know, Leonard or, or or PG out in you know Clipperland with Bomber like literally in sweatpants like somewhere else uh, in a different city watching the game and I'm like that's not load management they're just like I want to make sure this kid's like giving it his all I don't want like yeah. load management to be a norm like any rookie but like in his case though being seven foot four and like braille and and new now like, I can appreciate yeah. what you're saying like yeah. I think load management in this case is a really good idea. Yeah, just think of it. Yeah. Think of it like uh, think of it like Yao Ming. You know, with how big Yao Ming was, yeah. why why did his career end? Because Locked of the uh, because Locked. of the stress because of the stress fractures. And yeah. There's mm-hmm. a possibility. There's a possibility that that could that that could potentially happen with Wembenyama. So yep. if anything, yep. San Antonio would actually be smart to go down that route. Preserve him. Yeah. Think think long term, big picture. Yeah, I mean, and you yeah, you guys yeah. are gonna do that with Porzingis next year, because the most important yeah. thing is having Porzingis healthy during the playoffs. Oh so come on, that's right. With him next year. Yeah, hey, the yeah. Knicks tried that too. Come on, the Knicks tried that for years. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. no, no management for Porzingis. You wake up and pray that he's healthy. That's that's the yeah. management. <laughs> no, I think it'll be. I think it'll be sort of the same thing. Honestly, it, I think it'll be sort of the same thing uh, with what they're doing with Horford right now. That, as far as Porzingis goes, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll do one game where Horford starts, and then the next, and then the back-to-back. Uh, if we're doing back-to-back games, Horford would start one night, and then Porzingis would start the other night. I think that's what they might do with Porzingis. Yeah. Because if he's healthy in the playoffs, oh, like, who's beating him? Like, I love, if you I got mean, a five on the floor, now you got to play out. The five yeah. has to stretch out all the way to Porzingis, which means now Tatum and Brown have better lanes to drive to the basket. 
Now Brown doesn't. Right. Of course, we all know Brown turns the ball over when he's driving, but now you get more clear lanes to drive. Like, things get real tough with Boston, man, if, yeah. if Porzingis not, is there. Or not. We, I mean, the KP move kind of under the radar. I mean, I, he's burnt some bridges, not because he's a, a jerk, but, like, the injuries. You know what I mean? I mean, New York, he never really – it never the, – the, the cake never baked like it should have been in New York. He left it on bad terms. Right. And then watching, you know, kind of injured and watching, but like, if he can stay healthy in Boston, I mean, they're already so damn close every year. I mean, he'll take them over the top. He'll take it to the top. Yeah, I mean, I, I got oh, him definitely. He's there. He's an all-star player, healthy, easily. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait and to see that. Another, <laughs> you know, another thing you have to wonder though is, you know, Boston. Since we're on the topic of Boston. They have accumulated all these second round picks, and I found that you know normally people people normally don't take stock into second round picks. They they normally don't yeah. see anything with second round picks. Uh, but here's the thing with the new CBA, the way it is, it's now it's now being talked about that second round picks may actually be more valuable than late first round yeah. picks. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because of oh. because of the uh, tax apron and how much they would have to pay uh, those specific players. So, right. from what's being talked about, they said that Boston seemingly is stocking up for yeah. an attempt at a bold move down the line. Now, what that means. I don't know. You know, would that mean Damian Lillard? Would that mean uh, somebody like Carl Anthony Towns? I don't know, but it sounds like, according to according to what uh, the experts are saying, that Boston is. It's kind of like how Bradley Beal went for what was it, six second round picks or something? Ridiculous. As part of that, as part of that deal to Phoenix. They said that their 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 thinking is that Boston is going to do the the exact same thing with all the second round picks that they uh, that they acquired that they'll be attached Almost to like another player like a Brogdon or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the CBA the league is moving from a three supermax team to two supermax teams. Basically, unless yeah. you're like Golden State and you're willing to pay crazy over the tax, you're, you're basically going to be limited to two max players. So teams are going to have to get a little more creative and figure out how do they, you know, really get their roster how they want it. And then the other part is there are going to be some teams who are up against it as far as the tax, and you're you're going to there are going to be guys available who normally wouldn't, and you're going to be able to make some moves if you've got you know an abundance of second round picks. And remember this year too, the salary, uh, the the floor has to be met on day one. Like normally, you could, I think the floor is like one twenty. You could make a trade at the end of the season to get yourself to one twenty, and then you're you're fine, no penalties or anything. Now you have to be at one twenty on day one. So this cap that they have to spend too. Yeah, and they're already um, my my estimation or my understanding, I should say, is that I believe the number that they said they're about like eight million below 
the second tax apron right now. So they're already well they're already well above one twenty, obviously. But um yeah, that that new tax apron that they've introduced it sounds like it's going to end up yeah. making uh, second-round picks a lot more valuable moving forward than, say, late first-round picks, well, which I found kind of interesting it's, because – Yeah, it's, it's, more, it's more transitional money. It's, it's less – you're not sunk down into a, you know, a lost cause. If, if you draft someone first round and they bust yeah. out, you're locked in. Financially, mentally, everything. You're hamstrung. You're handicapped as a franchise. Now the right, second right. round is more, you know, more versatile. It's it's less risk. So it's almost like mm-hmm. smaller bingo money. You can move those around because if you hit on a second round pick, you're not you don't have to guarantee them a contract. No. That's the biggest thing right, right now because these these, these right. number one deals right now are really crushing people financially as far as running a team. And, and if you're the Celtics and Jalen Brown doesn't get it done this year. Uh, best believe him as a second round, he'd be out of there. Like if Jalen doesn't perform this year well up to expectations, and, you know, they're going to re-sign him to retain him with that contract, but he becomes a movable asset at that point. Yeah. Uh, although they did say, though, that uh, he cannot be traded for up to a year after he signs that Supermax. So – that's yeah. kind of why that's kind of why they're waiting right now because they want to make sure they have everything in order first before right. they give him the supermax because if there is if there is an option out there like say what Alex brought up earlier before you called in uh a potential one to one swap of Brown and Lillard if that isn't on the table or something, or if that was on the table, you know, that would make Boston kind of second, kind of second guess. Hmm, do we give them the supermax right away? Or they want to make sure that there's nothing out there on the table that they could potentially move Brown for right now that would improve the team as it stands right now. Mm-hmm. So, because once he signs that supermax, He's basically locked in for for a full year. Like they couldn't sign him for the supermax, and then come the trade deadline this upcoming season, they couldn't trade him at the trade deadline. Right, Boston, but Boston, all I'm all I'm Boston, saying Boston, is Boston, at that point Boston, you hit the hit. stopwatch. Like it, it's in play. Right, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. If if they if they made the move for Lillard though, they had inherited that contract. Lillard's under contract for four more years. So if he goes Ooh. to Boston and if he agrees to play for them, I, Boston wins two rings. I think at least one. They're the, they're the favorite right now if they if they add Lillard. Uh, I don't know if they can move Brown. I don't know. Yeah, uh, they are. Dame, is, Dame, Dame is up there in age. How old is Jalen? Twenty five. Thirty three. That's where. It, oh, Jalen's twenty seven. Twenty eight. Twenty seven. Okay. Yeah, that, that's where it gets uh, a little. I think. I think twenty seven. Let me double check, but I think it is. Yeah, twenty twenty six twenty seven. I mean, Brown more years. I mean, right now, gun to my head. I mean, Lillard's a better player than Jalen Brown. Oh yeah, no question. So, like, you could argue, like, and Boston wants a point guard. They just lost Marcus Smart. Lillard, KP, full trio. I don't know. 
Yeah, but with the Jays, that window is, man, that window is so wide because everybody else yeah. is aging out. And you've got those two guys I love, guys I love Jalen in. Brown. Yeah. I, Boston, I mean, I, th- I think Boston, uh, they're top three right now, top four. I mean, Joker's not going anywhere. Talk about a second-round pick. Joker was the second-round mm-hmm. pick. Right. Ridiculous. But, I mean, Boston's right there. They've been knocking on the door for four years. So, I mean, they they should probably try to make a splash right now. I mean, Steve, do you want but, them to dip back right now or make another splash? Honestly, here's my thing. Like, here's my thing. Like I said, I think that – I think Damian Lillard would be a much better fit for Boston. And here – and the reason why is because Jalen Brown – it seems like he's always, you know, he's always going to be the number two. And that obviously is something that, according, it's, it's basically been a whole media storyline that's, that's been put into play that, you know, it's, it's going to bug the shit out of him basically for years. That, obviously. You know, that he'll never be the number one guy in yeah. Boston, that it's always going to be Jason Tatum's team. Yeah, I mean it's it's so it's as it should be, and honestly, if Jalen Brown is number one, any t- that team is not a championship contending team. He's not a number one. Exactly. No. Now, now look at but, but if you if you move if you move him for Lillard, now Lillard's in Boston. That's a pimp. That's an incredible squad, and then Jalen Brown leads the young guys. Uh, Jalen Brown's the number one in Portland with yeah, but, Jude Henderson. But, <laughs> That's the yeah, That's see, the it, and then with Portland, is he on the same timeline as what they're trying to do with Anthony Simons and and Scoot? Because it's so, like, okay, you yeah. bring over all this salary and Jalen, you're Jayden really not ready to compete. You you want a couple more draft picks to fill out that yeah. roster with Shadon Sharp and uh, the other kid they got that looks kind of promising, like Patino. And Patino, also, Patino, why the hell Patino did they let Wofford walk away? I don't understand why they let Trent Wofford walk away. Wofford's kind of like a backup but, rotational, but like. Uh, Patino, a couple other of oh, Calipari. You remember, guys, Shane Sharp from Canada. He was the Blazers' uh, seventh pick last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he sat out in Kentucky. The, the draft people are saying if he was out this year, he would have been number two over Scoot Henderson. So, like, this guy's like insane. That's why the Blazers just don't want any guards. They have like an Sharp is a sick shooting guard, and then they have Scoot. I mean, Jalen Brown though. 27 years old, I think he still fits the timeline for a rebuild. 27, he could be like kind of like the older veteran. Yeah, but do you want one now? Like, do you want to just lose next year, get another pick to add to those two guys and go forward with them? Jalen, you're bringing in all that salary and expectations of winning. And, uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, Lillard would be awesome in Boston. I mean, that would be – Boston would win a ring within two oh, years. Oh, Boston would love they're, they're yeah, so they would love that dude. They would love that dude. You know, I think part of the reason why uh, Boston isn't on his list, I mean, first off, he wants to go, he wants to play with Bam Adebayo. That's I, because I'll, he's real Miami good friends too. with Bam Adebayo. What about um, Miami? What? I can't do that. <laughs> here's the, here's the, pro, here's the thing though, is that, you know, not only does he want to play with Bam Adebayo, but also I'm kind of wondering if, if he's looking at Boston, 
and how people have labeled Boston as being a racist city over the last however many however many years because of yeah. incidents that have happened, such as them throwing shit at Kyrie Irving, uh, the thing with the Red Sox fans and how they treated Adam Jones uh, when Adam Jones was a member of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, yeah, one there's one. I mean, there's multiple instances that it kind of makes me wonder if maybe perhaps that's part of his line of thinking is that do I really want to go to a place where in his mind he feels like they don't appreciate people of of my color? I think KG and Paul Pierce, that whole crew shut that down. No, I mean, talk to KG and Paul Pierce. I'm sorry, I'm not a Boston guy, but, like, sorry, that's ridiculous. And, and dude, no, I mean, I'm – no, I think, no, that, no, I think that whole, like, stereotype, have to worry about they, that. Hate, they hate, they hate color people in Boston. That's a terrible, no, no, like, stereotype. I, I, it's not true. No, 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 I mean, that's Boston's reputation for a reason. Bill Russell has the stories. Uh, I, I think know, nowadays it's not it true. Yeah, yeah, I, I would disagree. But I, I'll, I'll say this though, I don't think that's what it is with Dame. I, I think Dame is wired like Jimmy. I think Dame doesn't ever want to be looked at the way Kevin Durant okay. was when he won those chips in Golden State, where you it. came on to a ready-made championship team and you got a ring. But I mean, how much respect should you get for that ring? And True. the other part of this is. Yeah, imagine that's being that's... a role player with hard-working Dame and hard-working Jimmy on the team. My God, dude, they like gonna be hell in Miami. Right. You're a role Grind player Academy. with Jimmy and with Pat Riley. Pat Riley's the sergeant. Yes, yeah, crazy Pat Riley <laughs> and Academy. Yeah, man. I, I think it's it more that than anything. That's that's the thing. You know what? You know what, guys? You brought up you brought up a very interesting point there. And that kind of makes sense now because, you know, if I, if, if you're somebody like Damian Lillard and you're looking at how exactly the same, the same thing that happened with Kevin Durant, you know, that nobody is really taking Durant seriously because he was looked at as, Oh, he, you know, he skipped, he, he skipped town in Oklahoma City to try and get an easy path to a ring. Which, I mean, it's there's so nothing life. wrong with that, but it's, you know, it's how he, he – I have a feeling that in, that his, his image is very important to him. Dame's a bigger killer than uh, – Dame's a lot harder and a lot tougher than KD. I'll say that right now. No question. Yep. No question. And he feels like he has to get it a certain way. And I think it would devalue it if he went to Boston where you're already a team that's been to the finals and a championship caliber team. I think he feels like in Miami people will respect it a little more just because, honestly, that squad is not great. It's him, Bam, and Jimmy. Jimmy had that amazing playoff run where he was shooting in a way that we all know he can't shoot that well. Like, (laughs) I mean, it happens. I don't know. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Yep. You know that really that really does that really does make sense the more that I the more that I think about it now. And 
I mean, granted, he would be sec- he would be second to Jason Tatum if they were to do a straight up Tatum for Brown, but he would actually be of course, third. Of course, if he were to join Boston the way the way they're constructed right now, he would be third uh, in that picking. In in the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter, I mean that, that it would be tough right now. Gun to my head, I would not be able to bet a hundred bucks Tatum or Lillard. I mean, game time, he is the, probably the best clutch shooter I've seen, better than Steph Curry. So I mean, if you want to talk about Tatum, fine, but like Jalen Brown, Lillard is on a level above Jalen Brown. I think that's the point I was trying yeah. to say. He's also 33 years old though, so that's the key. But I mean, Lillard. Yeah. I mean, he he's built he's built for the fourth quarter. He loves the big shot. Tatum and Lillard, I think, would be unstoppable. I would be working the phones nonstop if I were Boston. Because I, I don't no, think I'm they sure, want to send I'm them sure they are. I don't you think know, they want to send them are because, like we said, like we said earlier, you know, just because, uh, just because he ha- just because he wants to go to Miami, that doesn't mean that they have to. You know they have to abide by his wishes and send them off to Miami. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that the thing that solves this, the thing that solves this, is if Miami just puts forth a good faith offer. Okay, he he's made his demand, and they're limiting the trade. And if Miami decides, oh, we're going to try to short Portland, that's where this thing gets protracted and 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 played out yeah. over a long period of time when things get ugly. But if Miami says, look, we're going to make you a real offer. We're, we're going to give you whatever picks you want, and we're going to give you all our young pieces. That's it. Uh, Jovic and uh, what's the kid? Highsmith. And if you want Caleb Jack Ball, like whatever you want, we'll give it to you. Right. Jovic was a great key to what you were saying before, like what we were saying. That's the key. You know, 6'10", 6'11", yeah, he could bust, but you know, sharp shooting, you know, kind of, you know, behind the back passing, you know, kind of a good, talented big. That's the type of guy they want because they already have Scoot and Sharp they, and Simon. Right. Like, they want bigs and they want picks. I mean, I, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I, yeah, so, I think so Miami should overplay their hand if, by if he, trying to if crush them Boston, on the deal. You know? What's that? I said, and Miami shouldn't overplay their hand by trying to crush them on the deal. Like, don't get into that no, Danny Ainge space where you're trying to win the trade. Like, just get it done. <laughs> get them what they need so it's over with. Yeah. Another thing, exactly. another interesting thing to, another thing to consider, Pat Riley, the ultimate competitor, just turned 80, okay? So he, he yeah. kind of really wants to see him right now. They're on the same window. Like, let's win a ring uh, the next two or three years. You know, Pat Riley's not going to be running the heat when he's 110. So it's kind of like right. time sensitive too. He, he wants a little right now. Pat, you know, you gotta give. You gotta you gotta pay for what you want. So it's gotta be a yeah. two way street here, or else he's gonna go to Boston or New Jersey. Watch, or, sorry, Brooklyn. But I mean, you know, Blazers are playing hardball as they should. But <clears throat> the other thing is, when you run into this Kawhi situation where you give up real assets and then somebody comes there and they say, "Well, it was nice. I'm gonna see you guys later." Like. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> like, if some of his agents are telling you don't trade for him, I just I, I can't see how you justify giving up remember, real assets for somebody. Remember, remember when Kyrie, uh, before he won a ring, where he wanted to go, they said, oh, we're sending you to Toronto. He said, I'm not going to Toronto. He won a ring. <laughs> and then he left Toronto. He, yep. The team that back then, they didn't send him where he wanted to go. 
That's called the Spurs. That's called yeah. uh, Big Papa. Uh, there's all, there's also uh, there's also the possibility too that uh, let's not forget Kevin Garnett originally before he was traded to Boston he originally said he would not waive his no trade clause. He would he originally said he would not he would not waive his no trade to go to Boston. Then he was ultimately sold on going to Boston uh, once he saw Boston make that deal for Ray Allen. And obviously Ray Allen joined Paul Pierce. Once he saw Boston make that deal for Ray Allen, that's when Amazing. he changed his tune. So Yeah. And, and, and Mikhail um, did, did right by him, too, because that deal doesn't happen if Mikhail is not a nice right. guy on that deal. <laughs> like great Mikhail call. Right. Great call. Yeah, the Boston, the Boston connection. True. Yeah, Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale. Yep. That's true. So that, you know, that does, it does make me wonder if, because, you know, people, people, people are wondering, okay, why is Boston, you know, seemingly they have all these assets. But why are they seemingly just sitting around? Like they're not really doing much this off season. Yeah, they signed a couple of uh, they signed a couple of uh, depth players, but they have all these assets, and you know they're they're literally what a year removed from having been to the NBA Finals. So, well, and you well, know, there's look, all I'm, this. I'm but dude, I'm I'm in Atlanta. Last year, or not last year, the year before, I guess it was the off season the year before. The Atlanta Hawks gave all of their assets up to get Dejounte Murray. Then a week later, Kevin right. Durant's on the on the trade block. So there becomes a point where it's like, look, you, you kind of gotta stay open a little bit. And I think Brad, he's learned from Danny, so you know he he's, he's gonna take his time with this. But yeah, the Hawks gave up all their assets right before Kevin Durant was on the trade line. Yeah, and then you know another thing too. Uh, what what other GMs have said about about Brad Stevens is that he isn't like Danny. Uh, he isn't like Danny Ainge. He actually gives you a fair offer. Right. He doesn't say, oh, you know. He doesn't try to strip you of every single thing that you have, like Danny Ainge tried tried to do. That's why after after Danny Ainge became Trader Danny and did that whole Brooklyn deal, uh, you know, basically basically performing the robbery of the century by trading Pierce and Garnett over to Brooklyn for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, essentially. Uh, after committing the, you know, after committing the robbery of the century, no GM would want to even do business with Danny Ainge after that. Yep. Now though, yep. now that Brad Stevens is at the helm, rival GMs have actually said that Stevens actually gives when he calls on a certain player, you know, to try and acquire a certain player, he actually gives fair trade offers and isn't looking to try and commit highway robbery. <laughs> and, and and it's so crazy with, with, with age when you think about it, because it's like, man, you made it to where certain deals couldn't be done. You sat on some picks for too long and kind of wasted away the value of those picks. 
So, there, you know, Danny made some mistakes, but overall he left you guys better than when he found it. So he's still a great GM. He's doing good things out there in Utah, still trying to rob people, right. of course. But at a certain point, man, that, that leaves you in a, in a place to where when something big can happen and they don't want to talk to you, you, you just by reputation, you ruin the ability to make certain offers. So it, it just doesn't work out in your favor in the long run. Because nobody wants to pick up the the paper or go through the social media, Twitter or whatever, and and be the GM who got fleeced. Like nobody wants that. Exactly, and that's the same. That's what happened. Uh, that's what happened with the Mets general manager at the time, where you know he basically got uh, he got railroaded by not just the media but also the fan base. For oh, what was his career? Making that for what making that move. Yeah, because yeah, they had that owner Prokhorov, the Russian guy who came in and spending money crazy. He wanted to make a big splash, and he tells them, "Hey, I want these old guys." <laughs> and the GM, you either resign or you make the deal. He chose to make the deal, and yeah, it'll never work again. Yeah, because I, I guess apparently Prokhorov thought that he was getting the 2008 version. Of uh, <laughs> of these two, so that's the reason yeah, now, why now he, he uh, now now Danny Ainge is out there committing a highway robbery out in Utah. He's got like four hundred number one picks. Colin Sexton <laughs> mocking in. No, he's on every trade. He drafted like two or three great players. I mean, Ainge is pillaging out in uh, Salt Lake City too. I, I could care less about that area, but uh, well, that's another story. Right. And to be to be fair though, Danny Ainge, he's actually pulled off some. I mean, <laughs> my God, uh, some of the some of the trades that he's, he's done yeah. taking over there, I'm surprised he got what he got for Rudy Gobert. I mean, oh, yeah, you yeah. want to talk about a serious overpay for a player like Gobert? That's basically what happened <laughs> okay. in Minnesota. Minnesota severely overpaid for Rudy Gobert. With that on the, on the contract, yeah. Yeah, pathetic. I mean, Gobert looks like he, yeah, I don't even want to go there. I don't want to go there. Yeah. No, he's, he's a waste of, I mean, talk, mega contract, plays no, I mean, cannot play anything on offense. The world, the NBA world's a different planet now. He's no threat. I mean, he hurts, he hurts their team. And he, remember the, the uh, COVID thing, the whole vaccine thing on the, uh, with the Jazz, he got into it with Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell left us in, then he got shifted over there. I mean, Gobert's a total witness space. And, and they probably have to keep him. They're probably going to have to move Cat and keep Gobert. Well, they got to they got to move one because they're not going to be able to do that too big lineup if they really want to go where they want to go. And you kind of yeah. need to feature Anthony Edwards. So I would think Gobert is going to be the one they keep, and Cat's going to be whatever they can get for him. But yeah, they, that makes man, me wonder. That's, that makes me wonder. That makes me wonder if that's if that's who Boston is uh, potentially looking at. Because okay. they have been long, they have been long fans of Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Wow. From Jersey, East Coast. Well, um, he's wow. Porzingis. Have, with, he's Porzingis without the injury profile. Like he got hurt last yeah. year, but Nobody he plays eighty-two. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a, he's a great shooting big man. Now, don't ask him to do more than that, but yeah, that's that's what he is. But 
on an already made team like Boston, that's perfect, man, because how do you guard them? If, if you're spread out like that, yeah. good luck one-on-one with Tatum. Good luck. <laughs> I know. And by the way, I, I don't know. I watched that, I, I watch that guy a couple times when, when it was really getting late and, you know, there's a, a lot of pressure, a couple of big games on TV. And, man, they got a cat. He's kind of whining, kind of scared. He does not look like he's ready for the prime time at all. Uh, that, that guy has never showed up in the big spot. Yeah, well, as long as he's your second and third or third best player, or possibly even fourth, yeah. which would be crazy because of how much he's yeah. paid. But, but like, if he's like your a, first or second, yeah, yeah, sure. And this is the thing that I loved, by the way, about uh, about Boston getting Porzingis, is that this now allows them to rest uh, Al Horford a lot more. With Al Horford... I mean, I'm not resting, but, you know, he'll yeah. be coming off of the bench as opposed to starting. So he's going to be seeing less minutes. So essentially, you know, this may make it to where, okay, maybe we won't have to sit him out, uh, you know, back-to-back uh, when, when we when we play back-to-backs. You know, because he won't be starting. He'll be coming off of the bench. And... If anything, you know, if anything, uh, I mean, I hate to, I hate to say this, you know, being a diehard Celtics fan, but it kind of seemed like Marcus Smart, Boston was never, with with how Marcus Smart would always play hero ball, Boston was never going to get, was never going to win an NBA title with him on their roster. I mean, yeah, he did a whole lot of good. He did a whole lot of good with his defense, but his offensive miscues, my God, he, let's put it this way, he shot them out of a lot of games more than he won them games. True, true. Yep. yep. Yeah, I thought I thought it should have been as, as part of Boston, that, that pride, that glory. That, I mean, he was hardcore, man. That guy was hit there. At, uh, he was their heart and their soul. So yeah, yeah they're gonna to love him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he shot them out a little bit, but I mean, Marcus Smart. I mean, I don't think you can ever blame not winning because of him. <laughs> no, yeah. love him in Memphis, but no. the same limitations are there offensively. He's just not a great player. Like that's just gonna be a problem. And because he has so much respect in the locker room and everything else, he can take shots whenever he wants, and he shouldn't. Like that's just what it is. Yeah. But you love to have him, though. Tough dude. Yeah. Yeah. He was our identity for a bit. I'll man. tell you, though, he's going to fit, like in, he's gonna he's fit in real fit well in Memphis. Shot, though. Yep, it's Tony Allen all over again. They're going to love him in Memphis, man. Yeah, he's going to fit in He's gonna fit in real well out there, especially uh, especially teaming right. up with Ja, assuming that Ja can stay away from the guns. Uh, well, well, he might be a guy who can actually talk to Ja, though. He might be a one who can yell at Ja, and Ja yeah. has to listen. Yeah, he could be somebody because that could he actually. Will fight you. Yeah, because he will actually yeah. fight you. <laughs> exactly. So he could, yeah. he could actually be somebody that could uh, that could get through to Ja Morant, and finally. Uh, you know, right. finally take him off of the course that he's currently on right now. 
You know, yeah. one of the other players I was hoping that Boston would be able to go after, and there was a rumor that this could potentially happen uh, with Jalen Brown being from uh, being from Atlanta. Uh, there was talk that maybe Boston could go after DeJuante Murray, but obviously that's not going to happen mm-hmm. with him signing a four-year extension, uh, which will give him up to $120 million. So, uh, Murray is Lamua. locked in. I don't. I don't know though if if they're going to hang on to Trey Young, considering his issues with the front office apparently. So, I don't know. Maybe Trey Young might be on the market. Maybe. I know they've already they already shipped off John Collins. So. Yeah, that had to happen. They've been trying to trade that dude for like two years, and finally they just settled on taking whatever was off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dan, just, Danny Ainge got him. Just not as Danny Ainge got him for nothing, paid, man. Right, he's just not as good as what he's paid. But they're going to regret that salary, man, because John Collins is an average just, rotational well, you know, guy. Trey, uh, Trey, Trey's like a, a great guy to have on a Sunday when you're like jacking up shots. I mean, literally, the guy shoots from like half yeah. court. Play, plays no defense. Does not share the ball. Bitches at teammates. Is he a championship player? No. No, probably not. Next. Problem is, in, in Atlanta, where it's really difficult to retain players, he knows how big of a star he is, and he's thrown his weight around the organization. Mm-hmm. Quinn is finally the guy who can tell him no. He, he ran the other Great two coach. coaches out of town. He can't do that with Quinn. So, I mean, he's going to have to play. <laughs> He's going, to, he's going to have to play some kind of team. Ball. I mean, he literally, I mean, Trey, Trey thought he was uh, Steph Curry, but, he, you know, he has no shit. So. No, he, he's quickly yeah. become one of the more, like, non-likable people in the NBA. He's always bitching. He plays no defense. And now, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't see much in Trey. Not marketable. Yeah, Plus, I mean, I mean, he's the a hair shooter, but he can get hot, and he can really do some things. But like you said, defensively, he's always a minus. Culturally, he's a bit of a baby, and, <laughs> and yeah. I kind of tiptoe around him, man. Yeah, that stems all the way back from the uh, from the incident that happened at Madison Square Garden during the playoffs that one year. Yeah. Wasn't there wasn't there something that happened yeah. uh, that happened with him in the in the crowd or something? Well, somebody in the crowd spit on him. But he had a great series against New York, and that's kind of what he's living off. He's living off the reputation of that series because he played so well in that series. But it, it's just hard, man. He, he, he's going to have to get stronger. He's going to have to figure out a way to defend effectively where he's not a liability. But he can light up the scoreboard some nights, and as long as you can get away with that, fans are kind of satisfied. But like you said, is he a championship player? Nah, I would say no. No. No, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. You know, if he was a championship caliber player, the Hawks would already be the Hawks would be closer to a championship now than they would be if he wasn't. They they would be closer to a championship right now if he was a championship caliber player. The fact that they couldn't even get past they couldn't even get past Boston. Uh, who seemed very vulnerable with uh, with a you know a, a rookie head coach this year in Joe Mazzula, 
you know, Boston basically yeah, left the door open for Atlanta to attempt to to steal the series. And Atlanta just didn't they, – they didn't have it in them. So I, I think as long as Trey Young is yeah. there – I don't think they're making. I don't think they're making an NBA uh, an NBA Finals run. Right. Some again. franchises they just want to make the play in, make the playoffs, sell tickets, get on primetime games, and the organization is happy with that. Quinn Snyder doesn't exactly. Think like that. And, and if Trey bumps heads with Quinn, they'll build around Dejounte and get Trey out of there. So but no, if he, well, the thing is, Quinn's a tough, badass coach. He won't put up with bullshit yeah. with guys that are that make millions a week and don't play defense. Defense is about effort, energy, hustle. Okay? So mm-hmm. guys like James Harden, Harden's getting phased out. Harden's on his ninth team, eight, 18th team for a reason. Trey Young, he's not going to win championships. Yeah. I mean, these guys, they have to realize you've got to play defense. The real coaches hold them accountable. So, yeah, God bless Quinn Snyder. Yeah, but the worst part about Trey is I don't even know if this is an effort thing, though, about defense. I don't know if he's physically capable of defending well, man. He's, yeah, dude, he's try so bad. And, and... Try to play defense. Woo, That's unacceptable. Man. You make $40 million a year, play defense. Yeah, I would put – I would put. Uh, I mean, let's, let's put it this way. He's not, he's not even on Marcus Smart's level when it comes to defense. Uh, when we're oh. talking about guards. When we're talking about guards, Trey Young is not on Marcus Smart's level. Uh, well, he, he's not on, he's not on uh, Derek White's level. He's – I would put him – Pathetic level? I he doesn't, doesn't try. Well, he's, he's I don't know where I would put him. He, he's one of the worst defenders in the league. And when you play with a guy like Trey, up. everybody else has to make up for his inability to cut off his man or not be exploited. Yeah. So you, you put more sure. wear and tear on everybody else because they got to yeah. help, you know, uh, call out the, <laughs> the right coverages. And, again, I, I don't think he's lazy. I don't think he's not trying. I, I just think he's a really bad defender, and he's just got to figure out ways to, to make yeah, it matter. Just follow your man. Stay with your man. Put a hand on his face. I know it's rocket science. I know. That's yeah, a good but if you're the other team, no, and you defense, give, and defense, if you give effort, me that matchup all night, yeah, I mean, you can say effort all you want. If you give me that matchup all night, I'm taking it. Oh, trade one-on-one with my guy over here, <laughs> baseline, you know, they'll take that all night. No, obviously, if it's matchup against six, seven guys, game over. But, like, guys that play one-on-one with guys their size, the person who tries harder wins the matchup. It's not rocket science. James yeah. Harden will never win a ring. James Harden's been lazy. He's six foot six. He doesn't play defense. Do the math. Yeah, I think I think Pretty the thing much. with James was age. Like James had to finally come come to Jesus moment where it was like, okay, I can't party twenty four seven and go out and give you thirty fourteen and seven anymore. He can't do it anymore. Like it, his body, was, yeah, yeah, his body won't allow him to do that anymore. So he had to he had to kill the nightlife and try to focus in, yeah. but kill the nightlife. Yeah. He's going wherever the man is. He can't do that anymore, man. Harden has no loyalty to basketball. He's going where the club is. When you're 25, that works. (laughs) You can get away with it. Where's Harden going? He wants to go anyway. He's going where the strippers are. Yeah, exactly. Why do you think he wanted to go back to Houston? He's loyal to the full. Exactly. 
if if that was ever actually in play, because they Houston don't want them. They don't want them. I, I don't think they ever wanted him. I think Harden's no team put that no story out there no to try to them. force Philly's hand to give him another long-term deal on the way out the door, and I think Philly said no. <laughs> I think that's what well, he was what, trying to do. I, I think read, he tried to force their hand. Philly doesn't from what, want him. From what I read, I guess, from what I read, I guess the front office wanted him, but Ime Udoka, as soon as he became uh, head coach, <laughs> Ime Udoka stepped in and said, "No, we're shutting that down. We're not going after. Uh, we're not going after James Harden. That's because uh, they want to. They want to do uh, more, more of a. They want to do more of a youth movement. Uh, in, in, uh, you know, yeah, because when you got young Jalen Green and young Kevin Porter." The thing you want to put around him is James Harden. Like, yeah, like that's crazy to put James Harden around them young kids, man. Yeah, he'd be like, let's go to the club. Uh, uh, yeah. around. Yeah. We're not allowed to leave yet. It's a shoot around. Let's go to the club. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The yeah, so, so the talk now is L.A. is in play because, you know, uh, Ballmer wants to open that new building in a few years. Uh Kawhi's knee is basically shredded. Paul's body, you already know, Paul's body is broken up. So I think the Clippers are trying to figure out a way to get Harden out there. And if you're Philly, God bless him. Terrence Mann and a couple other roles. I could see, I could see, uh, I could see the uh, the Clippers being an option. I mean. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it is an interesting point when you think about it. The fact that he, you know, they put such a huge investment in the duo of Kawhi and Paul George, and that's been an absolute bust ever since. <laughs> a bust. So, you know, they need to try something in order to in order to revitalize whatever year. Or whatever years they may have left uh, with that duo, or try to make one final run before they decide to eventually just blow everything up. Kawhi's body is cooked. You gave up Shade yep. Lewis Alexander to get Paul George. Like this, oh my god, it's, it's yep. really bad. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, yeah, boy. Anyways, uh, we are nearing the end of our show tonight, uh, the end of our three-hour block. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. Thank you, Naj, uh, for calling in, by the way. Uh, Anytime you want, Saturday night, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, anytime you want to call in, feel free. And we'll we'll always put you on. Thanks for letting me on. It's good talking to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was a great it was a great show tonight. Thank you uh to to Naj, thank you to Lou, thank you to Alex, and thank you to Diane for joining me tonight. Uh a reminder for Big Brother fans who may listen to this show, uh we will be doing the Big Brother uh recap podcast starting in August. I don't know if we're gonna do a, a cast assessment podcast. We might do one, so uh, pay attention to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE for updates on that. 
And also, you can find us on any of the major podcast networks if you haven't subscribed to the Missy AE podcast yet. Uh, feel free to do so. Uh, everybody have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.